So, welcome to the Weirdo Uni Weirdos Assembled live stream. I am joined by Bleak Rides, Philzilla, Rainy Rider, Rowdy Yeats, Seventh Sentinel, Shaker OG, and eventually when Loose Juice gets in here. <laughs> he's still one. He's, he's fighting his internet now. Oh, and there goes. <laughs> We'll eventually get this uh, unmucked. All good. It's so, all good. from all of us, I want to go ahead and wish everyone who has served or is currently serving a very happy Memor Memorial Day, Veterans Day. It takes a lot of courage and commitment to sign your name on that blank check for whatever may come up during become time government in. property. <laughs> I, yeah, pretty much. Government property, man. Well, I'd like to thank all, all the veterans for all of the freedoms I have thoroughly enjoyed. You, you guys didn't know me, and you went out and you protected those freedoms. You fought for them. You, you served the country to ensure that they were there for me to take advantage of. And I'm eternally grateful to all of our troops and all my family who served, because I got a lot of family who, who are either still active or served, have served. And uh, the world might not be quite as great without y'all. Not having it back up. Right on, man. Absolutely. So, Mike, I think you had something that you wanted to say. I might need to hear so, before you do. Yeah, being that this is, uh, this is Veterans Day, I did want to propose a toast to all my brothers out there who have served and are still serving. Um, may you all go safely. May you come home safer. And so here's to all of you. Cheers. Airborne. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have to have a little bourbon with that one. That ain't bad. <laughs> there he is. There he oh. Is. <laughs> you didn't invite the juicy one himself. I'm technologically savvy. Oh, no microphone. Invite me first. Okay, that's mm -hmm. my bad because I thought I had. Yeah, no, it's all good. I am also just I I'm not, I have my personal computer, so I have my work computer. Uh, and Whiskey Chaser like sending work. in a little toast. So thanks, Chase. Cheers. So, Ogun, uh, op open us up, man. Uh, so I know you're a veteran. I'm a veteran. Uh, what what does uh, what does your veteran experience meant to you? We'll try to keep it short. We won't try to get too gushy, but well, I mean, my veteran experience started with my grandfather, um, who served for quite a long time. And when I made the commitment to join, he he essentially looked at me. He's like, "Okay, I retired as a sergeant major. Your ass will be in Eleven Bravo, just like me." All right, cool. Um, and he came down in full dress to my graduation of basic training when we, tur we turned blue. Oh, fucking cool, man. And pinned me. I got bitched at ridiculously later by my drill sergeants who had no idea that he was coming. I didn't either, so, eh. Um, But just having a feeling of doing what's right I guess I, I've never really actually really sat down and thought about that particular portion. 
yet, I guess. I, <laughs> um, I'm still in the do, do, do stage, even after 10 years. So you're still serving? Yes. You going to retire? That's the plan. Cool, man. So, double hat, mother blogger, and military. Well, thank you for your service. That's awesome. I have... Go ahead, sorry. What's your gig, man? What do you do? Infantry. So what's your day-to-day life right now? Uh, When we're not deployed, I'm a glorified janitor. Okay. (laughs) That's what I was getting at. And I'm sure you guys do maneuvers. You you practice. uh, how, How does that go? Well... For at least for the army, I don't know how the Marine Corps does it. Uh, we have what we call gates, which will start with individual rifle marksmanship, move on once you've qualified on your specific weapon, or in the guys that I have under me, they qualify on everything that I have available in the platoon, which could be the uh, M4, a 249 saw, which is a 5.56 machine gun, light machine gun, the 240 Bravo, which is a 7.62 medium machine gun. And the Carl G, which is a recoilless rifle. So they go through all those qualifications, and then we move on to team live fires and well, team maneuvers to where they practice. It's called a situational training exercise. And once they get comfortable, they move on to live fires. And then you go once you've mastered team, you move into squad, which is two teams. And once you've mastered that. Then you move on to platoon, which is three line squads, squads, excuse me, which consists of two team, two, eh, I can't talk today, maneuver teams, and one team consisting of your heavy machine guns, or medium machine guns, as the Army puts it now. Once your platoon has mastered their maneuvers, you move on to company, company masters, you move on to battalion, and then once your battalion has mastered it, your brigade, which can consist of anywhere between three infantry battalions, you have a maneuver like a support battalion, which will consist of your vehicles air. and air. You, yeah. Then you have a artillery battalion, a cav- cavalry battalion, which they usually roll around in or fly around in helicopters nowadays. Combat aviation. What, but what do you guys do as far as staying current with your currency? Oh, that's every year we're doing this. That's how you stay current. To maintain deployability, you are consistently running through this cycle over and over and over. And for an infantry like brigade, a- it culminates in what they call a rotational training center. Like for the 101st, the 82nd, 10th Mountain, all of your line units or your, your light units – they go to Fort Polk to JRTC, which is your Joint uh, Readiness Training Center. Your mechanized units will go to California and do their – what is that one called? I've never had to go to that one. Uh, it's another rotational training center. And if you are light or airborne in the European <laughs> continent, you go to Germany for – JMRC, which is this Fort Polk, but in Germany. 
that the army will not put your brigade on a deployment cycle until you've completed all these gates. And to maintain that, you have to complete these gates. In the 82nd, we did it. We did this entire cycle every six months. Hardcore. I mean, got to be combat ready. I left, I left Fort Bragg with 46 jumps in three years. 45. 45. So you're airborne? I left basic training and went to airborne school. I've been airborne for oh. 10 years. Not always on jump status, but I am jump qualified. Right. You do any of the cold weather stuff, like swimming in Kodiak? Uh, I didn't swim in Kodiak, but I did get to do an Arctic Circle jump when I first piece moved to Alaska. When we left the bird, it was negative 78, and then adding wind chill, it was negative 103. Damn. You know what, what, what kind of jump height was that? That was 800 feet. What'd you jump out of? C-17. Which, if like, if you look at a C... If, so we have the C-5, which you can think of like the Boeing 747. Like the big, big boy. Yeah. And then the well, C-17. I know my birds, man. Okay. C-17 is about half that size. And then you have like the C-130 that everyone knows. Yeah. But a C-5 and, and can make, literally fit a C... Uh, I make engines for. That's my contribution. <laughs> but a, C5 a C-5 Galaxy can fit an entire AC-130 inside of it. It's a freaking pole barn. It's a pole barn with wings on it, man. All right, so Mike, what is what is your what what are you what is yours? Because I feel like we're getting far off into the weeds on me here. Oh no, dude, I love listening to you. Um, <clears throat> well, me not as interesting. Uh, I was expeditionary. That's a good talk. So yeah, so I was uh, so I was Navy worked for the Army. We figured that one out. But we worked for uh, Special Operations Group. We were expeditionary. So pretty much that just means we plugged all the holes that uh, any other branches couldn't fill. So a lot of times we ended up, like we deployed to Kuwait once, we filled a hole for ECPs, uh, convoy patrol, PAX, PAX control. We did prisoner movement, um, prisoner holding and escape. Uh, back in the States, I was groundwater. We did a lot of small boat maneuvers. We did a lot of um, beach patrol. So I, I covered a whole 20-year span. And uh, I kind of got into that expeditionary thing accidentally. I started as a blue water sailor. I was just on a boat. And being a, I was very bored, I decided to start being a boat engineer, which means the Coast Guard would come on the ship, train some guys to actually board ships and, and do inspections overseas. So I said, well, I'll just be the boat engineer, and I'd get, get to go with them. So like Goon can tell you, you go out on a convoy, it's the same thing. There's, there's no passengers in a convoy. If you move with the troops... You're a troop too, you know. Every everyone is rifle qualified. So to do that, I went from being you know wrench wrench and screwdriver qualified to qualifying on the nine mil, fourteen back then, and then the old uh, Remington eleven hundred. Let's see. Once the once I got the the boat to the ship to board them, we boarded them, and then we did whatever you know had to be done. So fast forward, I did my five years on the ship. Went to be a trainer up in Great Lakes. I taught gas turbines and, and power theory and stuff and I got out of the Navy well when I went back in in my mind I was just still a, a boat engineer you know I knew how to work on gas turbines and reduction gears and purifiers and stuff so 
when I went back into the reserves, I was still thinking I'll come back in, I'll be an electrician. Well, since they put us in reserve status and started deploying us as expeditionary, first thing they looked at is you're you're going over into the into the desert. They want to know what your, all your qualifications are. Well, you're rifle qualified. Where you're this, you're that. So they started to put me in with the master at arms, and they put me in with the uh, provost marshal's office. And for the next 12 years, that's what I did. Frustrated me to master at arms, put me in the expeditionary units, and I stayed deployed for pretty much for the next 12 years. I was always gone somewhere. Um, when the Chattanooga thing happened, I got activated to become a trainer to train all these uh, reserve units that had never, you know, Navy, you're looking at probably 2% of the Navy actually carries a gun. So after Chattanooga, they realized that if you're not up and qualified in a military unit, you're useless. So I had to go into these big units and really, so a lot of them had never had a weapon before, had to teach them how to carry their weapons, had to teach them how to do room clearing, search and seizure, personnel control, uh, had them set up an armory. So it was it was really wild. So, so yeah, that's what I did. That was my 20 years. As, as a well, grunt, weapon, uh, room clearing is near and dear to my heart as a grunt. <laughs> I want to back up a little bit. You were talking about gas turbines. Yeah. So for me, that's another part of our business is we make energy uh, elect, electric producing gas turbines for the Navy. So yeah. were they like Siemens or were they Allison engines or were they Rolls Royce? They were, so the, the generators were Allison 501K. Yep. The Main, power turbines were, they were LM2500s, they were General Electric, they were Stuart Stevenson. Okay. So, yeah, they were big, the, those, the, the propulsion engines, there were four of them on board, and they were this, they were DC-10 engines is what they were. Okay. And then the yeah, Allison. I worked at the Allison plant, we made the Allison engines. Yeah, which the Allison now is the same one that goes on the DC-9. So, the, the Siemens now are putting engines on our ships, on our Navy ships, but they're still already, we're still making them. Siemens just bought out that part of the business. <clears throat> right on. That's awesome, man. So, I feel like we're kind Close of, we're, I feel like we're kind of dominating the conversation right now, Mike. Well, well I wanted to just add. Sydney just left. I wanted to learn all the different songs. Because, Mike, you know, a, you know a ton of them songs. Hey, Oh, so I was going to say, so my job when I was um, in these reserve units and doing PACS control was a lot like what Sydney does. Sydney, tell us about what you do. Oh, your mic's dead. Which, which aspect? There you are. <laughs> Personal control and security. Mm. Yeah, basically, um, I just, I do security systems and crisis management at a hospital. It's it's not as exciting as all of your jobs. <laughs> you wouldn't think so. No. You, you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't you believe had, what uh, some people you... find interesting that someone else does. Just what we do is boring. I'll look at something that someone else does, and to me, that is, I mean, that's like the cat's meow, because it's something I don't do. Yeah, so um, basically I deal with people when, uh, or my team deals with people. Uh, I try to get my, I try to get on the on the floor a lot more. Even though right now I I mostly do like desk work, <laughs> but uh, I feel like I can't push policy unless I know what my guys are going through. So I try to get on the floor more. Um, but yeah, we deal with people when they hit rock bottom. Their concept of reality is just shattered, and there's sometimes like they'll look at you and they'll they'll be like, "Oh my god, you remind me of a motherfucker I hate." So <laughs> they'll just like go after you randomly, like um. 
on average, someone at my work gets assaulted probably like uh, three times a day. We have instances of someone getting assaulted. So, is that your workers or is that people in the facility? Um, usually it's workers. <laughs> but we're all trained to deal with that. And the attackers <laughs> is usually a drug type deal? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Um, like just the other day out. we had to, yeah, well, I mean, it, it could be. So, uh, it's, it's mental health and, um, mental health and addictions essentially. So we deal with the gambit really. Um, like just the other day we had to Narcan someone. Um, and when they woke up, they came out <clears throat> swinging. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. You, you would have enjoyed one of the cats that I had to deal with here recently. He, uh. He got belligerently drunk, and we got called because we were on duty that night. <laughs> and so we walk into the barracks. We're like, "All right, where is this cat?" And the kid, there's a kid standing in the hallway. We're like, where? He's like, "He's over here." And so we walk by him, and we're looking. At, we look in the room. There's nobody there. We turn around and we hear somebody pissing behind the dude that had told us where the kid was. And so we pop our head around. The kid's standing there pissing in the laundry room sink. Uh. So we get him back to his bed. At least it was in the sink. Yeah, that I am thankful for that. We get him back to his bed and he just as soon as he lays his head down, he's gone. And we're sitting there we're like we try to wake him up. Got no response. So we tried for like five minutes. We're like, all right, fine. We call EMS and we have him transported to the local hospital. Well on the way to the hospital he comes to and he gets violent. So they Narcan him, not a lot, but they give him some. And enough, I, I don't know how it works. They, they're like, yeah, we put him down enough to get him to the hospital. Like, okay, whatever. And he comes to and he asks to go to the bathroom. So he goes to the bathroom. He tries to escape. He winds up breaking an MP's ankle because the MP stuck his foot into the door to try to block him from getting out or something. I don't know how it exactly happened. Um... But all total, he got four charges of fighting MPs, three charges of fighting the hospital security staff, <laughs> and then two charges of assaulting the civilian, like the actual medical employees. And as my buddy calls me, and he's video chatting me, I can hear this kid screaming in the background, Screaming to Thanos to give him the power <laughs> to break free and kill everyone in this building. Yeah. So, sounds like they adivanned him. They didn't narc him. <laughs> so, yeah. So, to bring him down, they'll adivan him. And sometimes it's effective and sometimes it's not. What she's talking about is a heroin addict. When they, when they actually <laughs> crash, they'll give him the Narcan to reverse the effects of the heroin. Right. Or... or or mom's Vicodin or whatever it was. I had we had a guy where where I work. I do EMR still where I was working, and the guy had taken a bottle of mom's Vicodin and passed out at work and, and crashed. So they narcaned him to bring him out of it. But yeah, when you get a violent one, they usually give them uh, Ativan. I've had Ativan. They call, that's, that's they call it taking a ride on the van. With with my history and and some of the stuff I do talking about addiction and awareness. Um, I've done some outreach, and mm -hmm. I, I talked to heroin addicts and people who've been Narcaned, and well, they get mad as hell about it because uh, it makes it so they can't get high for 
12 hours or something. And uh, yeah. the real blood addicts, it really, it really just pisses them off because now, I mean, you save their life, but they can't get high. And it's, it's such a terrible, it's so hard to, to watch people struggle that hard and, and trying to deal with them. And it takes, it takes people who are pretty, uh, pretty close to being saints. Oh no, we we picked this kid apart when he, when they released him back to us. We we dogged the living dog shit out of him because he he remembered none of it. We we're like, so uh, how how helpful was Thanos yesterday, buddy? Goes, well, what are you oh talking God. about, Sergeant? Like, you don't remember? We, no. We we used to have a rule that was an unwritten rule, but we stuck to it religiously. If uh, you had to be brought back on board, you had to be put on a drunk watch. Someone had to watch you. Um, the trade-off is the next time you were on duty, if someone came on board drunk, you had to be their watch. So, <laughs> so we used to play. We, we called it quarter deck games. You had to get at the end of the quarter deck. You had to be able to come on board, request permission to come aboard yourself, and you had to act sober doing it. You couldn't make it. It started. I think it was on the Comte de Gras. Like they put a guy to bed because he was drunk, and he, he ended up. Um, uh, choking to death on his own, you know, excretions. So after that, they had you had to lay on your belly and you had to have a drunk watch with you to keep you from drowning in your sleep, basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. once you had to stand a couple of drunk watches with guys who were throwing up everywhere, you didn't do it again. A lesson learned. They called it the self-correcting error. Yeah. The punishment fits the crime. <laughs> so I've had a few kids, especially when I was on duty, that would come back to the barracks drunk, but they weren't being belligerent. It was just like, okay, dude, I know you're underage. But if, as long as you're you're not acting a fucking fool, I don't care. And it's just I seen you, so you will meet me down here at X time, and you're gonna pull a 24 hour shift. I don't care if it's zero four; you'll be here at zero five. I only <clears> do that twice to a couple kids, but. So in the army, did you have extra military instruction? Extra military instruction. It went a lot like this. Let's say if you did something that wasn't serious enough to merit an Article 15, you got what they call extra military instruction. So if you were late to muster, next day, and probably about a week after that, you had to show up an hour early for muster, and then muster everyone as they came in. If you were late coming in for curfew, you had to come in for four hours before curfew was set and greet everyone coming aboard for their curfew. Never so had anything like that. N- Growing up as a grunt, it was more, you stepped on your crank, we're going to correct this via physical punishment now. Well, that was, that's what we called de- deck plate, minutes. and that was something totally different. Well, no. you, that's deck plate discipline. That might be uh, taken care of at the lower ranks, and, I, and I've seen a lot of uh, first sergeants take their guys in a connex boxes and do that direct thing. That's called a wall to wall counseling. And once it got up to uh, <laughs> command sergeant major or the XO, you know, and there was something there that they didn't actually have to do Article 15 for, they would give you just this extra instruction, they would call it, to correct it, to correct the issue that was ongoing. Now, sometimes that ended up being uh, scraping paint, painting, cleaning, doing, uh, doing, uh, you know, <laughs> field pickup. I think I can't remember what the army calls it, but when you actually go pick up trash. Uh, or a duty, cleanup. 
it had a snazzy name up in in uh, Fort Sill, and I can't remember what they called it. Basically, it was out doing parade field duty, picking up policing. Police policing. call, yeah. But okay, so before we last last question, because we're I feel like we're kind of alienating a lot of people. Um, favorite school that you ever went to? For me? Yes. Oh, um, Alerspa. <clears throat> It was the improvised law enforcement response to a suicide bombing attack. And it was my favorite school. It, it was about uh, suicide bombers, car bombs, and BBIEDs. And uh, I loved it because it was so informative for one other reason, but I will have to talk to you offline about it. Fair enough. No, tell us all your secrets. Not telling anyone else, but... <laughs> To give you an idea, when we came back from, I think it was the 06 deployment, we had to go through uh, decompression. And one of the things they, they said was, be, be cautious of what you tell people because things that you got used to over there, people aren't going to be used to here. And uh, so like, well, you know, I don't want to go back and tell my stories. So the counselor said, okay, what's one thing that happened that happened over there that you thought was really, really funny? He says, oh, well, we're bringing this one guy out of his cell and he spit on me. So when I turned around, I just butt stroked him just out of, you know, you know, instinct and then knocked all his teeth out. And then he's trying to yell and scream at me, but all that's coming out is spit and blood. And he's laughing. And the guy looks at him and goes, well, would your grandma find that story funny? And he goes, well, I guess not. So I have stories like that. I just can't tell them on YouTube. There's, well, there's, there's some stories you just don't tell people because one, they'll think you're crazy. Because you're, you know, our, our our sense of humor gets a little warped, and uh, I'm sure Sydney's probably seen a lot of the same thing. You're, you got to put yourself in a special <laughs> in a special situation in your head to get through some of this stuff. So, what you deal with things, it, it, police, fire, fire department, you know, paramedics all do the same thing. But you have to have to temper yourself to some of this stuff. So, that's true. Getting a little off track here. So we we uh, we told Sydney that we would talk about uh, butt cream today. So let's talk about that. Wait, what were the? <laughs> okay, so things that make our ride better. We're talking about. Okay. We all we all did. I believe all of us did a very long ride to Forgotten Angels this time. So after five or six big long rides, what's something you have decided or discovered that'll make your ride better? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with Josh's sheepskin idea. Or Rainy feels some kind of way about the sheepskin. <laughs> well, I, feel, I feel yummy about that sheepskin. It's awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, the sheepskin. I've got one for the Harley and one for the BMW because I was a believer. I, th I thought that they would be. Oh, it'll get wet, man. It's not gonna be comfortable. It's gonna slide everywhere. When it rains, it's gonna get full of water and it's gonna, you know, be uncomfortable. Absolutely not. Once once you sit on that thing, you're a believer from then on fucking told told y'all <laughs> <laughs> those things are awesome they I always run with one what does everyone ride good you can start since you're in the top i have a 2021 lowrider s that is midnight crimson in color and i have named her siren oh yeah yeah phil Drive a 2006 Road King. I actually see it quite a bit on Instagram, but wanted to ask. 
I got you. I also ride uh, my wife's 2009 Super Glide. So okay, I love both those bikes. Well, Rainy, I know which what his bikes are, but go ahead. Hey, go, go ahead. <laughs> All right, I have a 2019 uh, K1600 Grand America. Her name is Benita because she's got a big fat butt. And <laughs> then I have the 2021 uh, Harley Davidson Sportster Iron 1200. Her name is Narcissa Malfoy. Because oh, she's yeah. oh yeah, because she's black. Got got a few uh, multicolored stripes just to highlight her heritage. And um, you know she's a little bitchy on the outside, but she's got a heart of gold. So it just fits. Wonderful, Rowdy. You have to unmute I'll you're muted. He's yeah. muted. Dude, that mute button being pain in the butt. Um, <laughs> 2008 Suzuki V-Strom, full dad bike extraordinaire. It's not rowdy, I am, um, but it's it's fun, like just ripping around downtown stuff like that. They're sweet bikes. So what you're saying is you pack all the attitude, and it'll pack you home. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> With some help. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sid. Oh, uh, actually, I have two bikes. Uh, one is a FC07 2016 um, Yamaha FC07. Uh, yeah. And then I have the 2020 Lowrider S. Oh, very cool. Mm-hmm. We, well, we know their nicknames are S and Z because they talk to us in the videos. Well, do yeah. they have actual names? Yeah, well, Z is just Z. Um, but... Uh, my lowrider, I, na- I named Skull after the, one of the uh, wolves in Norse mythology. Not after the vodka? Right on. No. Vodka. <laughs> no. So it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Shaker. What up? <laughs> What's your bike, what nerd? <laughs> my bike. Well, my main cruiser is my uh, 2013 Electric Glide Classic. I like a I like a stripped down tour, but my first bike is my '97 Road King that I still have. That's my first Harley, the one that, like I said, drew me to Shade Tree because I had no idea a motorcycle can make that much racket and still run down the road. <laughs> it's like one of these noises. So I'm looking around on YouTube, and there's Shade Tree on fucking Barf Party. <laughs> yes. Yes. Same bike that drew me in. So yeah. what is that man riding? I have to know more. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, those are my two birds, man. I'd like to get into a a, a low rider, but I like a probably Evo road uh, low rider. Just you know, more of a turn cutting bike versus the big fat tour bikes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna turn my nose up at this soft tail low rider, not in the slightest. Mm-mm. <laughs> yeah, they're I a little less than new bikes you guys got, though, man. Wow. Mine was free. Free. Free ninety nine. Yeah, we're gonna have to talk about that. <laughs> I, think I, missed, I missed the story there. All right. I heard something Cheers. about it burned down, but. <laughs> oh, is it is it my turn now? It is. Yeah. Dang it! All right, so. My my main ride right now is I a think 2001. You're muted, no, I, still I can muted? hear him. I can hear him. Just me. Oh, it's always just me. Why me? 
All right, Justin. Hopefully, y'all can hear me. My main ride is a 2001 Concourse 1000. Just crossed 70,000 miles on it. Not all for me. Um, Blake. <laughs> and then I've also got, I, I think I'm losing count. I think I've got five other bikes. So I've got a 2020 Triumph Easy Street job. Scrambler. I'm about to trot, trade in for a Road King, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, I've got an 81 KZ 440 that is barely running because it's a 1981 KZ440. I've got 2012 KTM 450 XCW dirt bike and a 2003 KTM 300 EXC two-stroke. Love that. Love two-strokes. And then I just picked up another bike that is a secret, and you all have to fucking wait. Boom. <laughs> you fuck. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll tell you this. It's a 79. If it's a Honda um, CB750, take it back. That's my market. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I can tell this is a really good story, but I didn't hear a thing he said. And I, he was so animated, and I know it's a good story. I feel, I feel Man, that's bummer. I can hear you that's just fine. Right? I can't believe you can't hear me. Oh, hey, check your settings, Mike. You might have him muted. Like you deafened me or something? Yeah, tell yeah, him. You tell might him have, you might have deafened Juice. Check your settings. There's the Juice bought an old ass bike. It's seventy nine. I've already bought. Like I think last time I had to exit parts. and come back in, so let me try that. I'll be right back. We will wait for him, unless, you know... Oh, Bleak, what is yours? We didn't ask. We, we, we completely skipped you. I apologize. How did we do that? Oh, no, you're good. Um, yeah, I'll just I'll rattle this off, and then I'll go ahead and get out of here, actually. Um, so I have a O2 Concourse. Started in O2. Nice. And uh, now is an O2 and an OO, because I had to swap the motor. Um, it's the bane of my existence, and I'd love to ride it someday if it's ever done being worked on. Uh, but it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's a, either an exercise in futility, and I'm too dumb to, to, to see the writing on the wall or read it, I don't know. Um, but I love the bike, and I just keep dumping money into it and listening to these mechanics and i'm like do we yeah, gotta got to get an actress in here or what do we got to do you, you know, know uh, hey blake blake you got a whole side story with the mechanics man <laughs> oh man i could yeah i could do a, a whole <laughs> hour on just my dealings with mechanics but then i also have a, a 2019 uh kawasaki z900 rs cafe which has probably seen more miles than it was meant to because <laughs> You know, I watched Shade Tree Surgeon, and I was like, yeah, I got a cafe bike. I'll ride it across the country. Sounds nice. like a plan. But um, I, I'm looking forward to picking up a bar and shield. That'll probably be my next purchase once I stop throwing money at the Connie. What kind of bar and The one I was looking at, they had one at, at my local shop very similar to Rainey's. Uh, but this was in the blue, the blue striping. Very beautiful bike. And it had T-bars already. I mean, big risers, you couldn't go wrong. Um, and then I also really, really, really want like an 85 and 87 Voyager. The, the Kawasaki's that look like a wannabe Goldwing. In fact, that might be my dream bike. That Kawasaki that looks like a Goldwing. You see those every once in a while around here. You can get a good deal on the Voyagers, man. People ain't looking at them yet. Uh, I was aware of one that had, I mean, it was, you know, well used, probably around 50,000, 60,000 miles. 
and it sold for under three grand, and it was still uh, still a clean Voyager, man. They yeah. had everything on them things, cruise, air, all that shit. Well, Mama Cowie, she built them strong, and she built them to go, you know? Gave them a little bit of everything, but... Uh, hey, thanks for having me, everybody. I'll get out of your hair. Thank you all for your service, and uh, gentlemen, ladies, you have a good night. Thank you, sir. You do Hope the same, Bleak. Have a good one, brother. Good seeing you, man. man. Yeah. Have a good night, Bleak. Yes. You are <laughs> sideways, Juice. Yeah, I'm working on it. I was reading a chat, and now it's all oh, picked okay. up. I'm on my. I have to do it for my phone because my this laptop I'm on is is not cooperating. So I've got I've got the YouTube on it on the laptop to check the chat, and then I'm just like on my phone. So yeah, that's fine. I, I think a couple of us are rocking that way. Is there anybody chatting? Uh, no, Matt. Desiree. Desiree. Nine mils. Desiree was on there. It's Nine like mils and Des left. Yeah, I, I didn't want to interrupt you your, your military chat and then reconnect. It helps a lot. And it seems to be seamless from what I've seen on the YouTube. <clears throat> I think we're pretty much caught up. I haven't been looking. I have the YouTube pulled up just in case, like, my OBS fails, but I don't really think I need it. Oh, and it's, it's a little bit behind, too, so I'm just going to go ahead and close that. <laughs> I'll do that when I'm, my live, when I'm doing my uh, premiere sometimes. It'll, uh, I'll actually pause because I'll watch it on TV, listen to it, and then I'll watch on my laptop just to see all the chat. And I'll end up pausing one of them, and I'm like, nobody's talking. Nothing's happening. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so getting back to the butt cream thing. <laughs> like, Rainy Rider ha feels a certain way about, what is it, Manscaped? So, yeah, Manscaped. So, uh, yeah, and I'll just say their products are really great, except for their main product, which I think is a uh, salad shooter. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> it's not kind, man. Uh, so I've got a, I think I've got the three. Uh, oh. I got the first one that had the lights on it, the, you know, the glow in the dark where you could actually see what you were doing. And uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> Now, I'll tell you this. I, I had a trimmer. Those ceramic oh, trimmers are just death because that's like the second or third one I've had. And they're great as long as you can keep them flat. As soon as you turn them up, that ceramic blade shows no fear. You know, it's like the Terminator. It doesn't show pity or remorse, and it doesn't have a soul. And it's out to kill you. Or take most what of your is that for, man? It's, uh, you don't know what it is? They call it a lawnmower for a reason. Yeah. It doesn't sound like anything I want near my private parts, though. <laughs> now, the new generation, the 4.0, works way better. I, I will vouch for the 4.0. <laughs> Bro, are you getting sponsored right now? No, I am not. <laughs> this thing got past 1.5? <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, I, I will just say that uh, I, I have uh, probably like a lot of military guys, you, you learn to do uh, uh, minor landscaping when you're deployed because if you don't, you run into major problems. So I have been doing uh, landscaping because on a ship, especially as an engineer, your, your engine room sometimes is 130 degrees, 80, 90% humidity, and if you don't take care of yourself, things start to rot off and get... Turn colors are not supposed to be. 
So you oh, have you to do keep like up on your dream. Because, you know. No, he goes oh, full no. dad mode. Oh, no. He does checkered shape. <laughs> I do diamonds. One beach side. No. No, no, no. It's, uh, there's nothing left. Uh, probably a lot no, like dude. I started... A 70s bush just won't make it, right? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you're going you're gonna to get some, some funny things Good going trail, on. You don't the whole need. thing. Oh, so Jesus. yeah, but so yeah, 30, 35 plus years of grooming. I've never had a problem with anything, e- even the old stuff, like I do with the manscapers. I don't think they're made for uh, what they say they are. And I think you can, you can run that by the new guys because they, they don't have any experience. So, just throwing that out there. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so I think they're garbage. What However, about the their other products? Their other products, and we were talking about this. Um, they do make uh, just so happened to have brought them to the chat. So they have this one. Let me see if I can get the name. Are you okay, sure are you sponsored? sponsored by this before we? Yeah. No, I'm not sponsored. Yeah, by why American not? People. These, these are the other details other. that the American people need to understand about what our <laughs> veterans go through. The notion of being in a 130 degree engine room on a regular basis just doesn't sound like fun at all. Okay, like, 130 degree engine room or 130 degree porta potty. Yeah, so porta potties are a lot higher, but those are temporary. That's why you do. And, and, the, and the, the good thing about the 150 degree porta potty is uh, you don't need toilet paper. It's like having a bidet. You just sweat everything right off. You just oh need to take care of the moisture and get out. Sorry, Sid. Porta no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, thank you. Real, real talk, so. No, I just want to say thank you uh, for like you know dealing with swamp ass to protect our freedoms. <laughs> What are we here for? That sounds awful. <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. Manscaping with the what? What the mm. fuck is this 4.0 thing? What is that? The weed whacker 4.0. All right. Yeah. <laughs> the root whacker. It's Mark the vasectomy in a box. <laughs> I can imagine that thing probably tugs if you got a forest going on down there. Oh, no, it's, I mean, ceramic blades are great, but like I said, it's like it doesn't. It don't care if it's cutting hair, skin, you know, it's, it's gone. There's no tugging. There's no tugging, but that's you know, having a great sharp knife that you know that's a two-edged sword. You know, figuratively speaking, um, it doesn't. Yeah, you know, get it near anything, it's gonna it's gonna disappear. So. <laughs> So we were talking about so so we were all at this camp out for and this time I actually got to take showers. The time before we did not. Oh yeah, so, the showers were nice. It, that was the good thing about having only a quarter of the people this time as we had in March. Mm. Is you actually I got to take showers both days. And when I was there in you know this time I did in March there were no showers. You get in line, there's ten people waiting in line. By the time you made it to the front, it was time for another speech on the stage. So everybody had to leave. I think I'm gonna hey. tell David next time. Maybe we should get a water hose set up out there. Just put a little, some, you know, some Viz Queen around it. You know, wear your damn swim trunks to the to the Viz Queen and just hose off. That'd be better than you know nothing. Actually, I think marches is going to be huge. Their plan is to have a shower house there, and they were trying to have that set up before October, but uh, they got screwed out. over by a contractor. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But their plan is to have like a separate shower set up. This place but, is turning like summer pro camp. Tip, hold it, hold it. Pro tip for anybody going to FA, going to Forgotten Angels, uh, going to the camp out. At least one of the days, just go to the truck stop, spend the money, 
You get a whole room to yourself, your own personal shitter. You can sit on for, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Hot shower already blazing. It's it's a good deal. Shaker Shaker imparted this knowledge while we were down there. I did one better than that, that, though. All right, so at least one day, yeah, it'll scrape all the shit off you. I don't know that Chris Living Large is in the chat, but he had the great idea of if you have that that Planet Fitness membership that you never use, you can go to any gym and you got a whole private bathroom. And he did that during camp. I know, I went with him. Yeah, we both went. I was actually surprised more people didn't go. And I honestly, I don't know if I should actually be saying this on this stream because I don't need everyone to like rush the Planet Fitness and like the bikers take it over during FA. I think it's but, a great idea. <laughs> but well, we already said gonna... we're having a deadlift competition and a squat we're competition. We're going to do deadlifts and then get showers. Yeah. Oh my god, deadlifts. <laughs> so barring barring these wonderful suggestions, um, if you're on the highway and you just need a place to shower, KOA does mm. like a $20 a night camp deal and their showers are immaculate. It's, a, it's, it's like Shaker described. It's a full bathroom. You get everything you need. You can hang out in there as long as you need to. Um, I'm a huge fan of KOA for that reason. And Tony yeah, says the RP, RV park that he lives in has showers available. Well, the, the KOA in Eureka Springs was fantastic. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I think yeah, Plus Shaker one. was there. It was, yeah. uh, and it was great. It was probably 45 degrees <laughs> a couple of the mornings I went over there, and the shower was awesome. Nice, yeah. warm, heated place that had the laundromat in it, you know, showers, Know, full stalls, full sinks, and it was not what you would expect from a campground. I'm uh, definitely going to try to make your Eureka Springs this year, depending on work, obviously. Echo Bluff. It's Echo Bluff. Echo Bluff. It's Echo Bluff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to start a new job at the end of this month, so I'm not sure what they – I've already worked it out with them. And you know how people places go, yeah, we'll work with you, no problems. And then when it's time, they're like, oh, 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 oh you wanted that day off. Sorry, man, that's, that, that's, not, that's not acceptable. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Well, oh, man, yeah. I'm on to y'all. So, take it easy. All right, yeah. have a good one, Phil. See you, man. Later, Later buddy. Later, buddy. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, it's the guy out of Michigan. Uh, Greece. Greece is his name, I think. Yeah. Every day, Greece. He's the one that's putting that all together. Okay. Uh, Juice had his hand up. I'm from Michigan as well. I was like, you talking about me? <laughs> oh. No, oh, the oh, Echo Bluff. Hi, Rowdy. Hi, Rowdy. Hi, Rowdy. <laughs> There's a channel for it in the Discord, so if you are if you don't already know about it, you can go to that channel and, and, and get info on it. Right. Yeah, the Echo Bluffs thing is going to be pretty cool. So so obviously Eureka Springs, we all got up there. It was supposed to, Everybody was supposed to go to the KOA. Then when we got there, it rained for three days straight. So we were in the KOA, but everything was happening in town, so that didn't really um, didn't really pan out well, very well. Right. So I think that's what the Echo or the Echo Bluffs is supposed to be. Even if it rains, we're in a giant lodge house, and we're all can stay in the yeah, lodge house. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, with uh, Eureka Springs, right? You know, there was a whole conversation on Discord. It seemed like it was all going to happen at the KOA. There was another setup that did downtown and then nobody expected Josh, Josh to show up. Josh showed up and it just kind of fractured everything. Yeah. And <laughs> I, there, there were a lot of, like I said, that, 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 uh, uh, 
is Saturday night, hanging out with uh, uh, Corey and and uh, Bleak and 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 everybody. Man, it was just cool. Just sitting around the campfire, just drinking beers oh, yeah. until we're gone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you were there the last the last. I think it was the Saturday or the Sunday. I can't remember what, what days we were there now. Well, yeah, I took off Sunday morning because I had I had one of two choices. I could take off Sunday and be cold and sunny, or take off Monday and it was going to be rain and cold. So. I chose, it's like, I got to go, I got to roll. That's a, I'm, so I got this, well, uh, real quick, we're making reservations for that. You know, all the cabins have been booked and everything. And then I ended up uh, getting a tent, like, uh, I think uh, uh, the Mad Yankee, uh, he reserved a tent site. So, you know, he shared that with me, but on our way down, the weather just changed everything. So I started looking ahead and I found out there was a cabin open. So it's like, dude, I'm just going to reserve this cabin. We can stay in that. So that's what we did when we got down there. And like yeah, you were we, saying, we the facility, yeah, that little wing at where our cabin was at, they just built that bathhouse there. It was brand new. It was nice. <laughs> it was very nice and warm. Yeah, it was the only warm place in the campground. But uh, yeah, but we had we had bonfires. We had you know whiskey to pass around. And then the last night we were there, of course, we had this special thing for Jerry for Journey of Jerry. And oh, uh, right so on. It, it was a great time. It was a fantastic time. Well, Echo Bluff will be a lot better being, you know, being in May. So the weather is going to settle down a little bit. And, and again, we're all concentrated in one area instead of being fractured apart. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to count by myself as one of these, but there were a lot of people that were butthurt that it got fractured and people just split and didn't and hang out with other did, people. You know. So. That's like yeah. every motorcycle rally ever. <laughs> All right. Shit just splits, man. Like, oh yeah. Do do what you want to do. <laughs> I think I think the rain just just killed everything. So it did. It was it was nice though. Like at the camp out, I'd be hanging out with somebody. We'd be talking for a while, and then I would need to walk away, and I'd walk away, and I'd feel guilty about it. I'd be like, oh man, I just I totally left dude hanging. We were like hanging out in dinner line, talking, whatever. I'd come back and I'd find them and I'd be like, oh man, I'm sorry I bailed on you. And they'd be like, whatever, dude, I found 15 other people to talk to. And oh, yeah, that's, right. that's unique about, about the camp out for sure. I haven't been in any other events, but, but it, it I don't know. I like it. It's cool. If the well, major army's involved, we generally all ha get along. There are a few outliers, yeah. but we all generally get along. <clears throat> the, uh, the Nashville thing, the Jack Daniels thing was great because we were in a hotel, had a huge lounge downstairs. We all hung out together. There was a brewery next door that had a restaurant in it. We all hung out there. And then, of course, at Jack Daniels, we were all together doing the tour. So, yeah, I think I think that's why I don't like to. It's like Sydney was saying, a lot of these biker meetups, you get there and then everybody just splits. And then it turns into like this clickish type thing. Uh, the, the FA campouts have never been like that, so that's what I like about them. There's no clicks. I mean, you just walk around. You can walk into somebody else's click and, and you're not shut out. Um, you go to a lot of some of these biker meetups, and if you're not yeah. the right color, if you're not the right shirt, if you're not the right patch, they don't, you know, you're not getting in. Nobody wants to talk to you. So this, the, the FA is very unique for what it is. Well, it's, you know, it's a charity. It's based on a charity. And that's that's the main focal point. And so the love of motorcycles is the next step down. <laughs> the love of bikes. What I'm hearing now is that if you go to the FA camp out before, like if you go to a shade tree event before, like you go to other biker events, you're going to be spoiled. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah 100%. Duly noted. <laughs> Man, they're the best people. 
I even seen on uh, one of Doodle's videos, they basically, people are kind of being nasty to her. Um, and that's just not something that you, it, it's a big, uh, go watch her last one where she went to, now she went to Daytona, and, and no, she went to, um, no, Daytona is where people were just kind of giving her crap, and you could tell people were, were very jaunt, very belligerent, get in her face and trying to kind of down talk her. But then she went out to um, the one out in South, uh, South Dakota, Sturgis, and it was great. So I guess it's a toss-up what you're going to get when you when you go to these meetups. But, yeah, you can get spoiled real quick going to Forgotten Angels as your first or second camp out. That's not, that, those those events, though, are too, you know, those things are freaking huge, man. I mean, you're drawing everybody, you know, Sturgis or Daytona. That's those are huge events, man. Yeah, well, I, would I, would like to go, I would like to go to either one, but I'm not a huge you, fan of large crowds. So, yeah. Well, what, what I did this this last uh, August, I went to Sturgis for the first time, and I went up the last weekend. So as I was heading to Sturgis, I was watching traffic leave. So there was still a, a, a plenty of stuff going on the last weekend, whatnot, but it wasn't congested. You could walk anywhere you wanted to walk. All the rides, which there are a ton of rides around there. That's what's so cool about it. I, I think I hit Needles and I hit uh, uh, Custard's uh, Custard's Park, uh, Rushmore, and all that stuff. But I I didn't do the Iron Mountain, whatever, whatnot. Anyways, um, but it, you know, there's just it was just wasn't congested. You know, anybody you talk to were were fairly cool to talk to, but but I, again, it's it, the 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 Forgotten Angels. That's like a family thing. I, it's hard to even call it a biker event. Mm-hmm. What were you gonna say, Juice? I, I cut you off. I'm sorry about that. I don't even remember what, but I think I can just kind of echo whole every, what everybody else is saying. Is like, yeah, it's like it's like summer camp, but it's also like family reunion. I never did summer camp as a kid, but. I imagine it's the closest damn thing to it. <laughs> That's pretty close, you know. You're right. We don't. We never seen the movie. You ever seen the movie uh, 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 Meatballs? With yep. um, I can't remember who was in it. The guy, but uh, um, Murray. Oh, Bill Murray, Bill Murray. Yeah. So yeah. So where you go? It's a summer camp, and all the counselors are drunk. Uh, that's that's Forgotten Angels. So yeah, it was a very good time. <laughs> I feel like a shitty city semi-host for this, but uh, what was that third topic that we had picked out? <laughs> we were going to talk about the difference in Veterans Day, Memorial Day, Armed Forces Day. So, yeah, that's something. I, I know a lot of people will get you know pretty upset about that if somebody calls it Memorial Day on Veterans Day or whatever. Um, and, and it's usually people on their first 10, 15 years of service. So after 35 years... And I, I, as as long as I can get, because I was I was in Desert Storm, I was in before Desert Storm, and I saw the slow transition from nobody cares about the military, the militaries. I I still remember the signs in San Diego that said "Sailors and Dogs Stay Off the Grass." So any kind of recognition that the the people will give the military, any kind of thank you at all, you know, I'm grateful for it. I won't hold the grudge if somebody calls it Memorial Day instead of you know Armed Forces Day or instead of Veterans Day. What is Armed Forces Day? I was about to ask the same damn thing. So Armed Forces Day are for people who are currently serving. Active. 
Yeah. So Veterans Day is for people who have served or have came home from war. And then, of yep. course, Memorial Day is for to honor those who have given their lives, you know, for freedom. In the line of duty. Or not even in the line of duty, who have served and came back and sometimes just never, you know. Never came home. We all know the story. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, every... every... Every suicide that happens as a result of PTSD from from a war, like I, I would definitely consider them just an honored fallen, because yeah. that is not addressed, and it should be. It's not addressed as well as it should be. Oh, I, um, would, I would. I'll go ahead, Rowdy. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm I'm done. Like that's all I need to say. Uh, just raise I, awareness I, about mental health and and love on people that need that need love. I 100% agree with that. I would go so far as to say those that even die from training accidents. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm biased so on many, that one. There's so well, many that, people. Oh, I'm you're sorry, in service. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, man. No, no, you're good. You're good. Go. Uh, a good friend of mine at work, we ride together. He's a fellow rider. Uh, his son was uh he he died in a training accident down in texas in a humvee got flipped over and got crushed so yeah i mean but he was active duty you know so 100 percent. and i would say that's in service of the country because you're actually doing something that is in the line of preparing to to serve the country so yeah i I don't draw into distinct lines there if you served and you died for any reason in the military in your uniform or you know why right. in the time you're carrying a uniform, you deserve recognition. Yeah, when, yep. when you when you've sworn in, you've committed your 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 life, your mind, and your body to the people that that you cohabitate with in your country. And um, it's my dad wasn't the 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 getting hurt in the in the in training is kind of near and dear to me because my dad was in the National Guard. He didn't go overseas during Desert Storm, but he flew. Uh, stateside medevac and he said so many of the wounds were accidentally self-inflicted like a guy would would make a jump and his his m16 wouldn't be mounted correctly and it'd go through his leg and he carried he carried a lot of soldiers that way and so like even beyond you know the death and stuff just the the maiming and the the injuries that you have to that you have to carry for the rest of your life it it it's a sacrifice that you made for your country. And so bravo to just everyone and, and thanks for your service. Yeah, I think we had more deaths from everyday service and guys dying on patrol than we did actual combat-related casualties. So it is what it is. But, yeah, there, like I said, there's no I, I draw no distinctions. I mean, if you're there and you give your life in service, you're counted. It doesn't have to be from an enemy engagement. Um, right. That, that's just, but that's just me. Well, there's some people My, that are 100% on the train of they didn't die from enemy fire. Right. Memorial Day's not for them. And I've met a couple of those, and there have been some heated disagreements. I've had words with people, and I try to keep it social. Um, and I usually come out, you know, I make very valid points. And that's, that's the good thing about being old, is you can make valid points because you've seen things. 
and I can usually bring not bring people to my side, but but at least give them a, a perspective that they haven't seen. So I had one girl who came back, was great over there. We both got extended together. We both did you know two years there, a little more than two years. Came back, and in those two years, her life had drastically changed so much. She didn't know how to live as a civilian. She was actually scared to go outside without a weapon. So she stayed home and ended up starving herself to death because she was afraid to leave her apartment. And when they found her, her most of her organs had shut down. Um, and I count that as a service-related death because all of a sudden, the, the the military does a great, just like you're talking about getting ready for your gates and checking all your boxes, they do a great job of, of getting you ready to go overseas and to fight. They do a horrible job of bringing you back and saying, okay, great, now give me that uniform and, you know, put your Nikes on because that's what you're going to do now. Yeah. The movie the movie Iron Man had a, a scene where, where, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is just working on his hot rod. The song playing in the background in that scene is institutionalized by suicidal tendencies. And that's what I think of when you describe what you've just described. Like somebody that commits themselves so wholeheartedly to a cause – and the the group leading him thinks entirely about what what's important for their mission, but I, I don't know. I, I feel like um, there's room for improvement in that area um, because you see the same thing in prisons all across this country too. People will, people will go in and they'll come out and they won't have any idea what to do with themselves, and it. It's like I don't know. It just these things, these these different scenarios could be handled more, more intentionally. I use that word too much, but but it it it's room for improvement. Yeah, I, I don't think there is, and I don't think there is a right answer. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the military. From, from when I came back from Desert Storm, there was no thing as PTSD because they were like, oh, PTSD is what the people in Vietnam had because they had their buddies blowing up next to them. They did they didn't uh, recognize PTSD. So when I came back, there were a lot of guys who weren't functioning, weren't able to fit in, um, had seen death, had been involved in death, but because it wasn't a World War II event or Vietnam-level scale, they were like, well, you're just having problems, so you must be an alcoholic because you're drinking now, but well, you must have mental problems. So they were sending these guys to counseling they didn't need. They were sending them to rehabilitation that they didn't need for alcohol and did, just didn't know how to, how to handle these guys. And we had a ton of suicides after Desert Storm, and nobody knew why, because they're like, well, they don't have PTSD. Why are these guys doing this? Oh, it's because they're not the war, you know, they weren't, you know, trained right. That's why. And, um, and then and then later, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, CTSD, CPTSD kind of became a thing that, that people started to recognize. And, and I think that's been helpful from a mental health perspective. But right like what you're saying is the the root cause analysis remains and in so many cases and we see it a lot amongst just different demographics they they're they've they've been trained to be so self-reliant that mental health is not something that they seek out and that's unfortunate and god if we could find the root cause of that i think it would save a lot of lives too um well, it's part of it's the stigma, at least in the army from growing up. It's if you go get help, you're weak. Right. And the army doesn't need weak leaders. Yeah. Oh, well, when I was, even when I was deployed in 05, they had said, 
Well, if you go for counseling and you go to see the chaplain, uh, first thing we're going to do is take your weapons card because if you think you have a problem, you don't need to be carrying that weapon. And that's almost like it's not quite a death sentence, but it's, well, now everybody recognizes I have a problem because I'm immediately the only one on base that's walking around without their weapon. So somebody must either know that I'm either non-com, I'm an admin guy, or something's wrong with me and they've taken my weapons card because they think I'm unstable. It's a, it's a career um, limiting move. It is. It is. And, and even in mine, you know, being, you know, in the Navy, if you start to go for help, first thing they do is they'll, they'll pull your weapons card still. So I've been retired now since 17. And I remember there were guys who, who said they were having problems and stuff. And I was the armorer. So they would bring me aside and go pull his weapon card. Hmm. And, that, and that's a very, it's a very shitty move to me to a guy who's asking for help. The first thing you do is, is you crucify him. So a lot of guys just suffer silently. And then on the other flip side of that, they don't, they convince you that it's not a real problem. Uh, the biggest problem with PTSD guys we had after we came back were guys who ran convoys, not because they hit IEDs or because they had action it was because you're taught goon can back me up on this. Any pile of trash in the road is probably an IED. Any yeah. dead animal on the side of the road is an IED. Yep. So you get back and, and, and you're running, especially that that bit between you run out of you run out of Kuwait at Navistar, going into Shweba and going up into the green zone. There's dead animals and trash everywhere. That's the entire highway is made of trash and dead animals. So it fries your mind. And then these guys get back and they're afraid to drive. You know, I remember when I first came back, they had they had I was went back to DCOM in Norfolk. They took my weapon. And I'm walking around going over to the DFAC, and as soon as I go to go under, you know, the walk pass, I can't see around the walk pass. I'm starting to pat down for my weapon, and I can't find it. And I stopped, and I started backing up, and I'm like, holy shit, I don't know what's on the other side of that. And that's in Norfolk, in America, on a naval base, and I'm freaking out because I don't have my weapon anymore. They don't, they don't, they don't get you ready for that kind of stuff. No. I'm glad that people are hearing this. Like, this is something that, can and should be shared um it's just that i don't want to call it a unique perspective because i i feel like well no you know what it is your perspective is a unique perspective and it's it's good that it's being shared well you see the problem is that hundreds of thousands of people are bringing up the problem is nobody's listening right they keep getting told it's not a problem because they they'll identify that there's a problem, but then they put it into such a small scope. And, and I'm sure you've seen it on, on, you know, when you do retrans or when you do re redeployments, that those boxes you checked, you have any of these problems. And, and it's very blatant, major, huge things that I'm not going to check because, well, I don't have that. No, I didn't, I didn't have to, you know, put my buddy back together. I didn't, you know, wear, wear my buddy's body as a breast bracelet. Nope. That, I, that never happened. So they don't, they're not asking the right questions when they come back because they think they're just trying to get you back, get you home, and pay as little benefits as possible to get you associated back into the real world. Because they have yeah. to answer to their constituents. It sounds like they don't want to spend, yeah, they don't want to detransition what they've trained, you know? Yeah. The, 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 the switch has been turned on, but there's no nothing about turning the switch back off before getting back into civil society You're yeah, and i think you nailed something yourself. well yeah, I, that, I, I think i think shaker you nailed something very... that everybody that's been in the service they, they it should be on all that this is this is your discharge you go through these classes or whatever whatnot to help you you know assemble re, reassimilate now they yeah. do the army nowadays does do that to help you get a job but 
as far as oh you've deployed you you may need these helps no you go get that on your own you have yeah, to ask I, I think uh yeah yeah um shaker nailed something there that when until you're actually separated they don't want to turn your switch off because it takes too long to turn it back on yeah. One of the things I noticed, like I said, I'm in the Navy, worked for the Army, so I had to go back through um, Fort Eustis, Fort Sill, Fort Polk. And you go back through there, their, their, um, they could they call it um, the Warrior Transition Program. Um, they want to turn you back on. And the first time I went through, it was like four months. When I came back through and they knew we'd already all been deployed, my entire unit, we went to Fort Sill, and it was a two-month uh, workup. And they work you up as quick as you can. They can, and you know a lot of it is just you know requalifying arms, requalifying your your vehicle, your evoc and stuff. But a lot of it is you know, getting probably tell you, yeah, there was probably two months before the first time you actually did your your ground navigation course and your ground assault course. You go back for the second training, you're ready for it in three weeks. They work you up really really fast, so you're never actually turned off. Oh, right. When I was in the 82nd, we were on what was called the global response. So it was, you could get a phone call at 1 o'clock in the morning, bring everything in. We're jumping into God knows where in less than 18 hours. Um, but like I was saying earlier, we have to go through all those, I call them gates. There's another army-ism for them. Uh, but you you would go from rifle qual, machine gun qual, whatever the hell you were qualling, all the way up to your brigade-level exercise in Louisiana in six months, which usually that's a, a year-long process. And you, you would get back from Louisiana. All right, cool. Hey, we're going back to the field in two weeks. We're jumping in. We'll be there for two weeks. Come home. We'll be, be home for three days. And then we're going to jump into another three-week exercise. And that was, that was my life for three years. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they, the transition after I retired was much different, even going through the VA, was much different than coming back from deployments. In fact, from deployments, your, your decompression was four or five days sometimes. And then you went to returning work a weekend where you had basically had a party and, and, and they tried to explain to your wife why you're different now. And, oh, uh, my God. When I deployed or when I retired, it was entirely different. You know, so I, I think they don't, they're not ready to turn you off until you're actually going to come off of the books completely. I get that, man. Yeah. As long as you're able bodied, they want you to be ready to roll if they need you to roll. Yeah. yeah. So, I, so I think that's why the military puts up with a few more things that I think the civilians would put up with. But, I mean, going from the 82nd to the 101st was a night and day difference in just the quality of life. Um, where I, coming from the 82nd, was you're going to jump in, we're going to do rifle qual, team train up, team live fire, squad train up, squad live fire, come home for three days, do another jump into another three weeks to where we do platoon through battalion to yeah man we're gonna go qual today um this platoon's gonna do it they're gonna come home tonight 
the next platoon will go out the next day. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to do, do squad train up, a team train up. Uh, a couple of weeks later, we're going to do live fires and then squad and then a couple. Of, and you're like, holy God, I can actually be a human outside of wearing this camouflage pajamas. That was the hardest thing with my transition was when you come back from deployment, all of a sudden you don't know what you're going to wear. Going to the closet every morning because I was a reservist. So when you come off deployment, two weeks later, you're out. So it was very hard trying to figure out even, even what to wear every day. You know, eating is so easy in the military because you go there and you point and everything is there that you want and you just eat it because you point it out and you pick it. As a civilian, you got to figure out what you're going to eat. That adds to your day. Then you got to figure out what you're going to wear that day. That adds to your day. Um, and it's, it's very small things like that that just civilians, I'm sure they would understand it to some degree, but it's hard to explain those things. The nuance. You're you're 100% right. So, Goon, I got a question for you. I've been asked this question a hundred times. I'm sure you have too, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Oh, God. Any movie you have seen, what is the closest movie you have seen that is actually close to <laughs> real-life military life? Um... Or a real-life military deployment. We'll put, we'll put it easy. So it's not really movies; it's more documentaries. Um, and this is going on the extreme version, but it's a still it. It's also a very good lesson on a failure on leadership, which is would be corn the corn gall documentary. I've never seen that. It's a good one. I've seen that one. Yeah, I've I've been up in that. In that valley, that is that's not a fun place to be. What's it called? What's the documentary? Corngall. And then the sister movie documentary is called Restrepo. Very famous failure in the of the army. Deals with the one seventy third. Restrepo came out while we were deployed in 09, so yeah, we we all got to watch that one. Yeah. Uh, I think both of them are on Netflix. I don't know who produced them. Okay. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, we're kind of downstream uh, it. But I, I have a few friends that were in 10th Mountain that ripped out with the 101st. Not the 101st, but the 173rd at Restrepo. And he was like, yeah, man, we were, I was on one of the last birds out, and... We were in the air, and just like any deployment, as soon as they notice that the patches are changing, they start trying to test and see how you're going to react. And he's like, "With by the time that we had a 45-minute flight from the FOB back to the base that they were all gathering at to leave the country, eight of them were eight of the, eight of the new guys were dead, to include an L, like the platoon leader." who was the sergeant major's son of the battalion. Mm. So they were trying to spin up everybody, and even the guys that had just gotten back, they were trying to spin them all back up and send them back to flood the valley. 
I think that happens with every surge. There, there were there were a few surges that they were getting ready for guys to ship out. I already sent them up to Ali Asalim and turned them back around because all of a sudden, you know, this this D surge sending people home turned into nope, you got to go back. They're not ready for this. Or they've amassed a lot more firepower than we than we thought they had. Yep. And, and, and the funny thing is that there's so many guys they have on the inside that it's they know when these things are going to happen and they time them to a T. Yeah. Sometimes they're successful, sometimes they're not. Sometimes we have better intel than they do, but sometimes it just wipes you out. But to bring it back to lightheartedness, which movie do you think comes closest? Hold it. Real quick, what's the name of those two documentaries, Goon? Corngall and Restrepo. Don't ask okay. me how to spell Restrepo. I'm going to forget. R-E-S-T-R-E-P-O. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. E-R-S-T-R. R-E-S. T-R-E-P-O. It's just the word rest. Rest, trepo. R, uh, R, E, O. Damn it, I had it in my head. Now I don't have it. Rest, trepo. And the other one is what? Corngall? Corngall. As in Corngall Valley, right? Yep, Corngall Valley. I'll have to look those up. Um, The... Modern movies? I don't know if there is one. Um, Top Gun Two. No. No. Well, maybe maybe we ask the question differently. Then it's like, what's the worst offenders? Oh, offenders! There's a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of them that are top absolutely. Three. Give me top three then. Offenders. Fourth of July. I I tend to avoid military movies. Mostly nowadays, just out of habit. The more BS a military movie has in it, the easier it is for me to watch. Because then I can bitch about it the whole time. Um, but being from the 101st, um, I have to say one of my favorites is uh, Band of Brothers. I always love that the series. The exception of the 101st. Even though that brigade, like Curry, no longer exists in its organic form, the 101st de- deactivated that brigade and split them between two others. You want to see some good documentaries? Those guys, after they were in their 80s and 90s when they, when they interviewed them, told the truth about a bunch of stuff. Um, and you can still find those on, on YouTube. Um, And I won't spoil any of it for you, but some of that shit was hilarious because there was a lot of Banner Brothers left a lot of things kind of unsaid and they just kind of um, alluded to some things. And you would kind of think they stretched the truth on a lot of that stuff. And they were asking a couple of those old guys, so did this really happen? Did you actually shoot your own, you know, commander? Oh, yeah. He was a son bitch. Nobody liked him. One I'm surprised has not been made into a movie yet, considering everyone loves a good scandal, is Blackheart's. And it's a story, well, it's not really a story, it's a documentary based on 2nd Brigade 101st, specifically 1st Battalion 502nd Infantry. Um, There was a cascade of failures of leadership during the deployment outside of um, Baghdad. Yeah, capital of Iraq, Baghdad, yeah, I can't believe I had to think about that. 
Um, and it what cascaded. Year? What in, year? Oh, four, oh, five. The book is literally okay. titled Black Hearts. Actually, I know my copies at work. Um, but it ended with a young Iraqi girl getting captured or getting kidnapped by a couple lower enlisted. They raped her and then burned her whole family, her and her whole family alive. Oh my God. But it was the result of just a cascading failure of leadership from as high as you could possibly imagine within this brigade structure all the way down. The book does a really good job of like breaking it all down as it happens. Well, that cascade is basically nobody taking any kind of responsibility anywhere, right? It was that and refusing to uh, backfill personnel that had been killed because the key point of all this, like this kicking off was within, I think it was 90 days of the deployment, 75% of the this company's leadership, this Pacific platoon's leadership had been taken out. And they had rapid changes of platoon leadership after that. But they, their squad leaders were very young and inexperienced. Their team leaders were young and inexperienced. But Brigade wouldn't give them any any refit. Well, not refit. Uh, they wouldn't reman them. With experienced personnel. With any personnel. I think the military a lot of times doesn't like to admit that they've lost control of something. And the other flip side of that is they don't like to go against status quo. Um, I'm sure, again, you've heard about Aberdeen. Aberdeen was a crime that they knew was going on for years and no one wanted to step in because they just thought, well, this is just the way it happens. Uh, Aberdeen was a, they were letting lower enlisted um, females serve as basically as full-time servants to the upper enlisted to the shirts on the tops in at Aberdeen so they basically were pimping out all these young girls and saying yeah that's what you, just, just what you do when you come to the military you're, you're this is what you do your first few years in and the Navy did the same thing on the Shenandoah and on the Yellowstone so they were pimping out the girls on the deck and they were telling them yep this is just what you do and no one wanted to step in and break it until one of the girls on the Yellowstone went to the command master chief and said, Master Chief, I don't want to do this anymore. And he goes, you don't want to do what? He goes, I don't want to sleep with anybody else anymore. And he, she, he's like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah. And she, she goes, I, I just, this is not just what I want to do. And I know it's part of my duty, but I just I don't feel comfortable doing this. So he's like, hold on a second. So he calls the XO down. XO comes down and she says, tell, tell me what you just told me. So she goes through the story again. And he's like, who have you slept with? And he goes, oh, she goes, oh, senior chief so-and-so, master chief so-and-so, lieutenant so-and-so. He's like, she's like, hold on, hold on. So they call the JAG, who's the judge advocate for the ship, bring him down and start trying to make um, record. When he walks in, she goes, yeah, I slept with him too. The first lieutenant, the first lieutenant who's in charge of deck, deck division was pimping out all the girls. And a lot of people were in on it and just didn't say anything. Aberdeen was almost the same thing, but Aberdeen was had gone on for years, and no one stepped in that knew what was going on to try to stop it. If you Google the Aberdeen scandal, it will it will kill you. But the the main thing for that was that um, everybody just accepted it. It was all like tailhook in the Navy back in you know in the nineties, the early nineties. Um, they knew all that stuff was going on, 
up to one point, even one admiral came in and there were drunk people, you know, there were people having sex on pool tables and stuff. And uh, he just said, oops, not where I need to be and walked out. So that admiral lost his command, lost his stars. Um, a lot, a lot of people in charge. Every, everybody's heard of Tailhook, right? No. Nobody's heard of Tailhook. Tailhook. No. So Tailhook is a annual uh, meeting of aviators. It happens in Las Vegas. And if you've ever heard the phrase "What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas," that was actually coined for the Tailhook hearings. Because they started bringing people in, they're asking people why they didn't say anything, and they were, they were like, "Well, you're not supposed to talk about what happens in Vegas," because everybody knew it was happening. But even at one point, they had a um, O2 that they had handcuffed to a urinal, and people were coming in. It was part of her initiation into the flight club. Uh, people would come in, and there were guys using the urinals with her handcuffed to the urinal. A couple guys had even peed on her. Um, and they just said, that, well, that was part of the initiation. That's just what happens. You know, every every branch, I think, had initiations back in the 80s and 90s that come the late 90s, all of a sudden it just came to a screeching halt. And that's when they you started, you know, these things started showing up, the red light, blue light, I don't know, it was probably way before your time, but that's when red light, green light, blue light behavior came in because before that, you're in the military, you should be able to handle this stuff. This is how we do our initiations, and you're going to deal with it. Yeah, that's when I, when I, when I put on my warfare device in, in 92, I, I, it got hammered into my chest, and that's just what they did. And we accepted it because that's just, that's just how it happens. Oh, you would never hear that now. You, you, get, you, you, get, you get your rockers put on. You get your chevrons put on. You get they would, you get, They tacked them on, and it's a luck thing. And they're supposed to just come and hit your pins and make sure they don't fall off. That's what it's supposed to be. It's good luck to make sure your pin doesn't fall off. And I've seen guys get broke ribs, guys when they had the crows on their arms, some of the units they get their arms broke. I've seen guys get their collarbones broke, um, broken ribs. Had one guy broke his, his AVO pin off in his rib and had to get it removed. Um, that's, and that was just my unit. I'm sure there were worse things, worse things that were happening. But back then, the military just accepted those things. They didn't start calling it hazing until like 96, 97. And that's when they started putting a stop to all this stuff. Well, they they tried. Yeah. Are, are we in quant, kumquat uh, territory yet, Goon? <laughs> I think we are. Let's let's call kumquat. Okay. So, does anybody else have any questions? We'll move That's on. That's a safe word. I want to know about kumquat. <laughs> I'll be right back. I gotta pee. All right, man. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we've we've kind of dominated this this particular discussion. Somebody, please save us. Sydney, tell us about your Harley. You've had a lot of problems with Oh this. my god, no. S is giving you problems? Save us. <laughs> I appreciate everything you guys have shared because carrying that, just that noise, man. Like, oh, I lost everybody. Uh, and we've got you, Mike. Can you guys hear me? I can't hear you. Yeah, I got, I got Mike. You might have to come back again, man. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and take a potty break. I will be right back. All right. I'm blown away, and yeah. Oh, I just there. There are stories. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild, and I've got to. I've got to tell myself, you know, self like. 
step back their perspectives understand it all and approach um i just it's heartbreaking to know where we were it's heartening to know where we might be now a um, lot of it has has cleared up um really glad to hear that when you get into your combat arm section is where things get fuzzy because certain units get away with certain things that other units don't let slide i'm not going to name numbers or experiences <laughs> if you're active duty then that's probably wise yeah um, i mean like when i when i was younger i said since i was five years old i would always tell my my mom and my dad i would love to be a military sniper <laughs> like, that's what i wanted to do my grandfather was in was uh in the 101 actually um and you know it was just something i always wanted to do i always wanted to join the military and i let my family talk me out of it because i would hear stories about like you know shenandoah and things like that <laughs> so when they, when were you <laughs> um honestly all throughout my early 20s and even when i was younger so like uh fifth probably even like 13 and on because i'm not i'm trying to remember when they opened up combat arms to females it's, uh well that was another problem too like when i was a kid they didn't right <laughs> i could be an instructor but i wouldn't be able to actually you know go into eight combat Oh, Sorry? It's like 18 or 19 that they actually opened it up. I don't remember. Probably around in there. I think you right. No, but... It's still what? far and few between to see a female in the combat arm. Well, at least infantry. I've ran into a few, and they're all solid. Oh, yeah, no. It was just something I wanted to do, and at the time... Like, so... I was raised with all guys, um, so I never realized that there were certain things that I couldn't do when I was younger. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I really want to do this one thing. Like, I'm a pretty good shot, Dad. I really want to do this one thing. And uh, he's like, well, there's some limitations there, and I didn't realize until I was a little older. <laughs> I find that tragically ironic because I've read Masad Ayub a lot. I don't know if you guys have ever read him. Um, and Clint Smith. These are two, two guys in the in the firearms community that um, I think they both have pointed out that that women tend to be really good marksmen. I'm not sure why, but that just tends to be the case. So, I don't know. I find it interesting and kind of a pain in the ass. Like I think that the government, the the, the military could probably do better back then for sure and so and, and even even hearing now that, that that women are few and far between um infantry and you know just in combat units sucks well i mean i'm sure that they there there are plenty of them it's just i haven't personally ran into that many anybody hear me i can yeah. faintly hear you I cannot see you at all. I was about to ask, did we scare him off? What happened there? 
Oh, it's, uh, I don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah, you, you might want to drop and reconnect, Mike. I'm not having any luck here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm ready to bolt. I gotta get to bed. Gotta work tomorrow. Cool hanging with you all. Good hanging, Shaker. I appreciate Next you coming. Friday. Yep. Same yeah. time. All right, y'all take care. Have you a too. good one. Done, dude. And then there were five. <laughs> or, yeah, five. Uh, like ten you can count, man. <laughs> Pretty good. And I'm not asleep yet, so that's all. Ah, oh, yes. Oh, I looked at the the stream time. And it's like two hours and fifteen minutes. I'm like, wait a minute. Something right. Dang. And then I remembered I opened. We... I started the stream way early to give people time to come in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so... I saw that. That's why I didn't join till eight, or I didn't try to join till eight. Yeah. So, Rainy, Rainy, yes, you were asking I, about my issues with the M8. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anybody see me yet? Ah, uh, yeah. No. Okay, I, I was. Uh, I'm gonna have to go back to the other computer. Hmm. Sit. Be right back. You got the one hundred seven or fourteen? I got the fourteen. The S only but, came in the 114. Now it comes in the 117. I'm honestly thinking about trading up or like selling privately and then getting the 17 because I'm. Uh, the 114's okay, but it doesn't feel like it has a lot of power to it. I don't know. I love mine. <laughs> it, it's fun, don't get me wrong, but. Um, I, I do wish I had a little bit more scoot. Like, I was riding with Moto Diablo, and we were we were at the point where, you know, I was keeping up pretty well with him. But I felt like I could go a lot faster, and the bike well, wasn't letting me. You're comparing me. to a, a, a GSX-1000. Hey, I mean, man, oh. look, look. How's it going, Random? <laughs> oh, yeah. Aaron. Oh, yeah, there's Aaron in the chat. Yeah, Aaron's in the chat. Aaron. Um, I think I could get a little bit more out of mine if the dealership hadn't fucked up my tune. Oh, the dealership fucked up your bike too. Yeah, like if you. <laughs> okay. I don't think you and I actually got to go riding. Um, no. But Brian and Toby and a couple others. I think Juice, you went out with us one time when we went and got breakfast. I don't remember. No, I didn't go to breakfast. I don't think, but, but I went on like I went on all the Friday and the Saturday rides though. Yeah, but as I'm like slowly rolling on the the throttle, after you get to like two twenty five hundred three three thousand RPMs, it'll start bucking like it's not getting enough of not air or not enough air or fuel. It didn't do that before Harley tuned it. Actually, oh, wow, when weird. I when I changed the air filter and the exhaust, it actually ran better on the tune from stock than it ever had with this eagle performance whatever the hell that screaming eagle performance bullshit yeah you're saying it's got a hole in third <laughs> yeah. gotta clean up the fuel mapping am i coming through yet you are yeah, yeah we got you okay so let me tell you what the what the dealer did to my bike so my my mechanic at the dealership when they did the recall um they had to change out second input pinion and the dealer 
their mechanic runs his bike down to the Memphis Speedway. So when I came to get it, he says, hey, I went ahead and opened it up for you. Um, it's got this this crazy governor in it. You don't really need it. I went ahead and opened everything up to 100 for you. You're welcome. I didn't think about anything about it at the time until we went to um, Nashville. And they were talking about how there's there's this governor. It's just a, you know, yeah, it, it cuts it out at 104. And I said, well, mine don't have that because I can run it as fast as I want. They're like, no, no, no. Next time you run it, you know, it'll only get up to 104. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's true. So when I did one of my trips down to Louisiana, there's a stretch between when you leave Greenville as you're on the way to Alexandria, Louisiana. I opened it up and got it up to 120, and it wasn't you even pausing Mexico? yet. It was, it was, was ready Mexico. to go. So I was like, well, there, there's that. <laughs> so. Yeah, speaking I, of which, when you're on a bike that weighs a thousand pounds and you're going 120 miles an hour, it gets a little sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to get the uh, block told me one to use while I was talking to him about the ST fairing. Uh, it's whatever the Dynajet tune that he uses. Yeah, it has a little screen. I'm going to get one of those because it completely does away with. The uh, electronic governor. Sydney, you were going to ride my bike. You you didn't. I'm you nervous to ride your bike. Oh no, the thing drives itself. You just have to you just have to tell it where you don't even have to tell it where to go. It's it's it kind should. of intuitive. It's so very easily balanced. It, it weighs a thousand pounds, yes, but it almost stands itself up. So oh, not yeah. only not only can you use reverse on your bike, but it can read my mind. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it reads your butt. <laughs> so, yeah, when you you only have to think about turning, and that thing knocks over and turns. I mean, nice. it's fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. So, and all, as long as you're moving, it'll go anywhere you want it to go. Uh, now, once you stop moving, you can feel the weight of it when you're trying to put your legs down and stuff. Um, but she likes to move. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't mind taking it out for a test drive. I also don't want to drop your shit. <laughs> Well, I've already dropped it once, um, so yeah, if you drop it, I know that it doesn't get hurt, because <laughs> it does have crash bars on it, okay. so it only goes over so far. Mm-hmm. I do I do want to know, Sydney, I'm, I'm probably wrong for asking this, but why didn't you ever join the military? You seem very military-oriented. Uh, yeah, actually. Um, so my family talked me out of it. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Look, you would have done a good job. I would have. One, you've honest... got a very level head. Two, you're just you have a military ethic. It seems like already about you. Yeah, no, it's it's something that um, I always wanted to do. Um, like I was telling these guys earlier, I always, when I was younger, wanted to be a, a sniper or a sharpshooter. And uh, it just, I let my family talk me out of it, and it's still one of my biggest regrets in life. I always wish I had joined. <laughs> oh, that that's too bad. Yeah. I don't know about the army, but yeah, we use uh, you know, we we call them our light footers because usually on your cruiser weapons, uh, that's where women actually shine, because especially on like on the sixty, on the and on the two forty, mm-hmm. because they don't actually have to hold the weapon up themselves, and they are so good at at aiming, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, they shine when when they're in the turret. Did you only yeah. talk about this? I thought we hit kumquat. You want you want to do kumquat? <laughs> we, are we kumquatting again? No, we had we we, we used uh, we had we had a few females that were we like we were our designated marksmen. 
because they were so good at shooting. One of our best shooters was a girl that was about five foot two, and she could hit on, on the on the long range. On the we we have what we call the uh, the, the attack of the the mean green men. It's pop up targets, and they're life size yeah. targets, and they go up to eight hundred meters. She could consistently hit those eight hundred meter pop up targets, and uh, all the rest of us were about maybe twenty five fifty percent on them. She was almost a hundred percent on them. Nice. And I don't know what it is about women, but they are very good at long range shooting. Low cost health plan. Hey, the other computer just came on. <laughs> I was like, I, I, no, I, I okay. don't want low-cost health care. No, thank you. Hello, we've been here two hours, and the other computer just now decided it's going to come online. <laughs> I've only been trying to get it to come up for two hours. But yeah, um, when I was younger, like five years old even, I was telling my dad, oh, I really want to be a sharpshooter, sniper. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I did go through, like, some basic, my uncle put me through some, like, sharpshooter training up in Idaho, and uh, I excelled in that. It's a lot of fun. But... Getting guns is a lot of fun. Oh, man, it's great. <laughs> Cordite therapy. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, <laughs> the issue with the Harley. So I had a few things pop off the bike. <laughs> Mid mid drive. <laughs> what came off? Um, as long as it went foot pegs. My shifter lever. That's pain. <laughs> Sorry, the uh, the lower the lower uh, shift lever. Um, that fell off, and then I had to limp it in sixth gear to a nearby Harley dealership, weaving in and out of traffic <laughs> on nice. on Route eighty going going up to Massachusetts. Yeah, my main and, complaint about Harleys is they like to shake things off. Yeah, consistently. yeah. And apparently, um, even after going to the dealership and a guy putting on a new uh, little shift lever, um, it wasn't the right one for the bike. So every time I had to shift, I had to stand up and then like lift my entire leg up to shift. Holy shit! Um, Sounds also, like it didn't no, he he didn't really, but I didn't have much room for adjustment because it wasn't one fitted for the bike. It was for a completely oh. different model, so it was angled in a really weird way. And not only that, but he didn't put the screw in the right way. <laughs> damn Harley mechanics. <laughs> like, I know I've been like, so I just put a set of Curiocan mini mini floorboards on mine, mm. and the stock shift lever has been the bane of my existence. It either goes just too, just a little too high that I actually have to like, kind of pick my leg up to shift down. Yeah. Or I can't get my boot under it to shift up. Yeah. No, same thing. I hated the best thing to happen that bike so far was the fact that that lever fell off. <laughs> Cause I got this new one. It was too short. I went over to my friend's house, chopped the thing in half, took a craftsman wrench and welded the craftsman wrench to connect the two pieces. <laughs> And I mean that thing is so light; it's it's wonderful to shift. Like if you get a chance to ride my bike next March, please do. <laughs> Just feel how comfortable this shift arm is, or the shift lever. Okay, so I'm not driving anymore. <laughs> every every single thing that I'm hearing about this whole conversation says, "Don't buy a Harley." <laughs> no, I'm here. Buy a Harley. Buy I've a Harley. had nothing but good experiences out of my Sportster, not my Sportster, but my my Lowrider. If right, so buying a Harley means that I have to solely rely on Harley mechanics, hell no. I I will do all my work exactly. myself. Exactly. 
Yeah, Eddie. I, I've had I do everything to my own, um, and only because up, I Eddie? don't trust mechanics at Harley because some of the weirdest things they have told me. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I always do my own maintenance. Um, I do my own, you know. That's why I like doing the videos for one because even a video where you mess something up is is still content because everything is content. But the Sportster, don't get me wrong, I really love that Sportster, and I think you become more attached to a bike the more you work on it. Yeah. And as long as you're willing to consistently check your fasteners, uh, do your own maintenance, it'll, it'll be a good bike. Um, that seems like the flip side of Harley ownership, is that it seems very democratic. Like, everybody's been working on them, nobody's He's afraid to work on them, just like get in there and go nuts. Yep. Unless you're under a warranty and you're beholden to your dealership, it seems like you can you can jump in with a wrench and a welder because they're all steel. Like you get on a Suzuki, it's got a completely aluminum frame. Screw all that noise. But yeah. Okay, Aaron. Most of the shit that's gonna go wrong with a Harley is cosmetic. So you don't really have to worry about diving into the engine. That's you only should. if you're going blockhead style and replacing the oil pump and the cams and the rocker arms. And... I would say my exhaust tools. My exhaust Aaron, nuts run Aaron, loose a lot. Shout out in the chat. Do you own tools? Before <laughs> I change the oil Harley, I have to tighten the exhaust nuts. It's a, wow. it's a constant thing. Have you tried red Loctite? No, because I don't Loctite. want to. I, I do not <laughs> use red Loctite on things that I know I'm eventually going to have to take off. Blue Loctite so, for the win. So when I got my bike, I got it secondhand. And I feel like that's where a lot of the issues came from. I wasn't sure exactly what the guy before me did. Apparently he put a cam in it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, when I got it, there was no explanation. The guys ghosted me every time I tried to get in contact with him. But... That's why your bike sounds so good, though. <laughs> Thank I haven't, you. I haven't got to hear her bike. Mine, mine oh, does not have a cam in it yet. Mine is still straight stock. You haven't heard my bike? It's not really in person. Good. It's fucking loud. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I think when I was doing the bar replacement, so you know how with the M8 uh, Lowrider S, it's um, it's all interior bar wiring. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when I was doing the bar replacement. This motherfucker before me put red Loctite on the bolts that go into the bars and then into the triple tree. I saw your video. There was so much red Loctite, I thought it was a gasket. (laughs) I did. I still have it here. I still have it here. I did not take the red Loctite off. I the bolts are still in there. (laughs) Maybe that was his idea. Like I'll just like red Loctite it into a gasket. I see it. It looks like a gasket. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucked up. Who does this? (laughs) Apparently that guy. People who've never used Loctite and go, I'm gluing it. It must be glue. Here's the thing about a sports tree. Anything you get so you know how Mike Branch is always saying anything you do to a going, the first step is to take off the seat. With a yeah. Sportster, anything you do to it, the first step is take off the exhaust. Yep. Take the entire header off. That sucks. <laughs> oh, yes. No Loctite on the exhaust nuts or exhaust bolts because you'll regret it. Mm. Eventually snap off that header bolt, and then you'll hate your, the rest of, yourself for the rest of your life. Man, Harleys are like a, an abusive relationship. Uh, 
<laughs> they, they are. are. Yeah. Stockholm <laughs> Syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> it should be the I think that goes for most know. old motorcycles, though. I've definitely well, got some Stockholm Syndrome for this fucking CB750. I had it for a 77 BMW. It was, it was R100 that... Um, it was made before there was such a thing as unleaded gas. So the the um, floats in the carburetors had to be changed once a year because unleaded gas would eat all the varnish off of the floats. And they did not at that time, and this was in uh, 0102, did not make a float for that thing because everything you bought for it was 20, 30 years old. You're buying old, recycled products they were oem and it literally had been on a shelf for 20 30 years so new gas would actually eat the varnish right off the floats and after about a year they'd get saturated and they would sink they wouldn't actually float anymore so it's spitting gas out on your feet and the thing about a bmw with carbs is the carbs are right above your feet so you wouldn't realize that your carbs are leaking until you go to put your feet down at a red light and you can't get traction because your boots are covered in gas you talk uh, about an abusive relationship. <laughs> Aaron, I'm doing a chopper bobber build on the CB750. And I really wish that I had taken Josh's advice and went 78 or older. Uh, picks. Ooh. Do you have any, yeah, do you have any current picks? Right? Uh, I can go take one for you. Yeah, go do that. Has See ya. Because the rest of them have already seen it today. It's still sitting in like 30 pieces out in my garage. <laughs> the good thing about having an old motorcycle is you will always have content. That's why I own several. <laughs> By the way, Juice, I love your sticker. Yeah. Oh, that, <laughs> that so sticker good. from Camp Out turned out so good. I ran out of great. those. That was really, really good. I think yeah. um, I'm not going to get it from, I, I got that from Sticker Mule, um, mm -hmm. but I'm going to use like PB Sprints or somebody else that can do holographic. And I think that might just be my sticker from here on out because I love it. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan like, of that one. It's like safety. You know, you can put it on your bike and it's like a reflector. Yeah, and then when someone doesn't rear-end me at night, I could be like, wow, Juice saved my life. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I owe that guy a, that guy a beer. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I kept all all the parts from, all the stock parts from when I changed it out on the Lowrider S. Just on the off chance, it's never going to happen, that I decide to get rid of siren it's never gonna happen but just in case they're all sitting conveniently tucked away in one corner of the garage i've said that about the last 10 motorcycles i've had i'll never get rid of this bike uh, well, the bmw is the only one that's true on uh what is the name of the, i can't remember around. the name of the rider that we have in the shade tree army he just got he just had to get rid of his motorcycle like branch no <laughs> anderson oh Oh, the bard. Brian. Yeah. Oh, Brian yeah, he, got, he, yeah. he, he had to get rid of the, of the mighty, mighty puck. puck. Yep. Wait, why'd he have he, to? On the uh, mechanical issues. Something in the uh, Something, yeah, he, it's, uh, it, it went down forever. It so grinned. he did get a new bike. I went to a ultra, uh, ultra Limited? Yep. As he said, he went to, he went to a bike that had, doesn't have a name on it, and he's lost. <laughs> doesn't know what to name it. <laughs> He's so funny. I, I loved hanging out with him. He's a trip. Have you talked to his son? His son's a trip. Yeah. Oh, I had Both I had up. I got yeah. to no. Yeah, his son uh, I can't talk. I'm done. I quit. No, you don't. 
Um, his son was helping me and Sid while we were cooking and helping Josh. So he's a very nice kid. And I went and told Brian how nice his son was. Like, I got to interview them both, obviously. Um, but his son was so nice, so courteous. Everything was, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, sir. Oh, he was so nervous at the interview. And I was like, dude, you're doing great. Keep going. What's up, Paul? How are you? Well, Paul's in here? What yeah, the fuck? Yeah, Trucker Paul. Paul. Suck, Paul. close his neighbor. Depends on oh, where yeah. he's at. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, geographically, yes. But <laughs> address-wise. Yeah. He's now my closest friend. <laughs> In Wisconsin. Uh, we'll hang dude, out when you get awesome. back home. I fucking love Trucker Paul so much. There was one point in the freaking camp out where he just started a, what was it? A mingling? A, was it a mingling horde? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he does that all the time. He does that a lot. Yeah. He is a mingling was, horde. That's fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got a heart of gold. Um, you never had a chance to hang out with Trucker Paul. The things he, I mean, for everyday grace, you know, he, he was willing to just give his helmet to everyday grace. Yeah. Um, definitely a nice guy. Have we? Has David gotten an update on the biker that went down during the ride? I haven't heard anything. I've not heard anything either. I haven't seen anything. The last thing I heard was that he was still in the ICU. His but bike was. But he's gonna make it. Yeah. And I think the status of his bike—not that it matters as much as him—but the status of his bike was. Uh, his parents came to pick it up, or his dad came to pick it up, and they were tra transported. Uh, he himself, I, his name was Mike, right? No, Chip. Chip? Well, he goes by Chip. I don't remember his real name. I don't think it was Mike, though. Trucker Paul, was it Mike? Trucker Paul would know. Paul knows everything. Trust in <laughs> Paul. <laughs> One Friday, we're going to catch Paul and get him on here. Okay, so David took his bike home. Okay. See, Trickle Paul knows everything. <laughs> He's got the inside scoop. He does. His name Chip. is Chip. Okay. Okay, so yeah. Uh, Chip was in the hospital, still in the ICU. Yeah, there's a... I mean, David, David Tyler, on his Facebook, he made a post about it. And he didn't give his last name, but he did say what his real first name was and then his name was chip so that's all we know that's okay. not only in on on the scoop <laughs> well the important thing he's gonna make it oh yeah uh eddie there was a guy who ended up he got actually what he was rear-ended right no he it it's that's a 45 minute discussion on just okay. explaining it <laughs> okay well, I think essentially, the long story short is he grabbed the front brake a little too hard, regardless of the reason why. Right? And he wasn't wearing a helmet. And yep. shenanigans happened. He ended up hitting the ground. They did CPR on him because his his uh he was non-responsive. Oh, um, I I got into this a little bit with some other people before I think before I left the camp out, or maybe it was the other night. But um, from what it sounded like, there was a dump truck involved, right? It was a dump mm. truck and a GMC separate. pickup. Yeah. Okay, oh, that was so separate. The dump truck was the group. No. And the dump, dump trucks truck... were a main problem throughout this entire fucking ride. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're driving a vehicle that is that heavy, 
you should not be riding alongside or driving alongside a group of riders because well, anybody were... can have a problem at any moment. They could pull off to the side and regardless of how well you're paying attention, if your follow distance isn't great, you will not be able to stop that vehicle. And so I just rider error might have been factored in a little bit, but at the same time, a commercial driver with a dump truck needs to hey, needs Mike, to take better care of it. Right we got a bot. We got a bot in the chat. That's when we know we've made it big. We have a bot. Dude, we <laughs> made it. We got a it's six like bot. Right hold on, guys. Hold terrible. up. Free, free girls in your city? Dude, give me them. I want them for free. <laughs> uh, yeah, apparently we're going to need a mod that's not actively engaged in conversation. Huh. Um, I'm, you can't put that on the dump truck. I mean, you get you got to yeah. realize this. This is the biggest problem I see with motorcycles in general. Is once you get a, it's almost like a pack of dogs. You get them together, and all of a sudden they think they have rights that they don't have. Um, and every ride we've been on last, the March birth ride was the same thing. You get people in there, and they're like, people should watch out for me. And I think that is the worst thing that can happen to motorcycling is all of a sudden people get headstrong and, and start thinking, people need to watch out for me because I'm on a motorcycle. Um, if you've ever been to any of the motorcycle training, the first thing they teach you is treat every driver like they're trying to kill you because they might be. Yeah. But you like, can't yeah, fault that dump yeah, truck okay. driver because, you know, it was a three-lane road. He had to be driving, too. He can't just stay away from everything because then he wouldn't be able to do his job. There, Tony is now a moderator. That way, if nice. they come back, we have. You can make Aaron a mod. I'm sure he'd help out. Oh yeah. <laughs> we got to get Aaron on here. Yeah, I was expecting him to be on here tonight. I was expecting a couple people to be on here tonight. There. And because Eddie says him... he charges, he's not free. <laughs> Quality costs. How much? Money. How much? <laughs> <laughs> a pork roll. A pork roll? There. Trucker Paul, Aaron, <laughs> are both mods. You don't have to have a camera. You can be a talking square. Also, use your phone. You tell me you don't have a camera on your phone? Come on. He's probably yeah, naked sitting in his living room eating Cheerios. <laughs> He's just combing his hair, his long, luscious locks. Nope, he doesn't comb it. Remember, he does nothing to it. Oh, that's it, right. it just exists. <laughs> if you have to ask you can't afford come on <laughs> well don't worry there, into there are free girls in your city <laughs> hey I live near Memphis I know there's girls here none of them are free I've seen them <laughs> the night walkers you wanna pay? They, might not, they might not cost you very much but they ain't free so we have <laughs> This Discord call that we have already has 10 people, so though every week we're going to decide who's actually going to participate in the discussion, and then everybody else will have another group, and then we'll just rotate as people want to join. That's cool. We're still figuring out our core group, because eventually I would like to not be the only one hosting this. Oh no, you started it. you oh, you got to continue it. you got to see it yeah. through. 
I, would, I, I need a test to figure out how to do it. We'll have to talk, but I, I wouldn't mind hosting it. But you got to figure out to show me how to get the the chat onto YouTube. Okay. Uh, you need OBS Studio. I actually yeah. have that, but I don't have it set up for streaming. Yeah, all I did was download OBS, connect it to YouTube, and then tell it to capture my second screen. Mm-hmm. And then I just have YouTube and everything up else pulled up over here. It's free. I need another I monitor. It is a pretty second. well thought out tool, to be honest. I need so a here, cool microphone like Sid. I, I used five to have, dirty yeah. oh, Are you jealous of my mic? I, I, mean, I mean, there so was nine inadequate. of us earlier. <laughs> Yeah, I know. My mic's pretty big. You're giving me anxiety issues. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the big question, Sydney. Oh, go ahead. When are you getting a sticker? Uh, yeah. I gotta, when, are you, I gotta when are you getting a logo? I gotta figure out a design. Honestly, I was I was looking at Philzilla's, and I'm thinking about going with the dude who designed his. But yeah, I need an idea. Did you, see, so, so cool. did you see what <laughs> Phil put in chat? In this Discord group specifically? Uh, the the actual link to the guy? Yeah. Yeah, no, I was looking at him. I have it okay. saved on Google Chrome. If you go into Fiverr and go into sticker sticker creation, mm-hmm. uh, you put a few words in there to describe what you want on your sticker, mm-hmm. it will pop up with logos for you to pick from. Ooh. No sh- if you find one that's close to what you want, you can talk to that creator, and they'll give you... They'll change it for you, put whatever wording you want into it. They'll change the picture. You can change the color, the the the, um, the pictures and stuff kind of by yourself through a pick list. I want one. Then you get with the creator. Sorry. That sounds that sounds like the website I used, but for legal reasons, I can't actually discuss it. <laughs> I can discuss it. I'm not, I'm not actually involved with them, but yeah. So for, for Fiverr, just put what you want into it, and they give you. Literally, I had probably a hundred logos to pick from. Mm-hmm. Picked the one I wanted and told him what I wanted changed on it, what I needed, and took sixty bucks. He gave me uh, four different types of pictures and four different kinds of transparencies and and shoot throughs and color schemes and and that's the new sticker. Speaking of which, I was only going to use that as a temporary sticker for the campout, and it seems wow, like through the poll, yeah, through the poll, yep. eighty. I think I'm at eighty-seven percent. Last time I looked, I was going to close it out tonight, but last time I looked, it was eighty-seven percent want that sticker to be at the new logo. And that's going to be hard. Getting away from the BMW theme is going to be a little weird. It's still blue so, and white, though. It's yeah, still so in there. I'm probably going to keep that as my main icons for Facebook and, and, and uh, YouTube and stuff. And then just use that new one as my sticker and my background and my you know, logos in other places. Yeah, I like the, the Franz Pop inspiration you got going on behind the uh, the, the BMW logo. That's that's cool. It says you're going places. Um, Sentinel, if you're if you're looking for like a DIY tape and bailing wire solution, uh, there's a there's an organization I think it's called Vecteezy, and they're 14 bucks a month, but they have a ton of vector graphics that you can go through and just kind of pick and pluck what you want, and then you can pull it into something like Inkscape, which is free. And uh, you can you can tinker with the drawing itself and kind of that sounds like what I did. If you want, yep. For was... for legal reasons, this is hypothetical. You could go to Brand Crowd, type in whatever you want, text words, and it'll generate a logo. And then you just hypothetically you could take out their watermark. Hypothetically, a, a lot of times though, they'll a lot of groups will offer um will offer free downloads if you provide attribution. 
mm-hmm. then you can go through and you can like read their license agreements and they'll be like, all right, if you want to include this in a video, you can just add us to the end credits. If you want to slap a sticker on your bike, just, you know, slap another one of our stickers on there. So you can, you can work around it in a way that your legal team <laughs> will agree with. I don't mind paying. These guys are doing. Yeah, these guys are doing good work. You know, that's how they make their living. I don't mind. I don't mind paying them. It's sixty bucks. That you know, to me, it's sixty bucks. But to them, you know, that's that's their living. So yeah, I, I don't want to shortchange a guy. Okay, right, and that's not, why I, I don't have plans on changing mine anytime with... soon. I'm perfectly happy with the new logo. It's catchy. Of course, I love anything green. So. <laughs> Well, yeah, the, the, the neon green has like been a a thing from the inception of the channel, so I just kept rolling with it. Yeah, I, I rock the yellow everywhere because the Hope for Pits logo is yellow. Then my bike is yellow, which was just kismet. And so now I'm just fiddling with it and kind of expanding on it. Yeah, but if I ever do start coming up with shirt designs... I'm going to get a hold of the guy that Phil uses. But I don't think I'll ever get that big. So, yeah. I, I like what Josh does with tattoo artists. Was that there's a local tattoo artist that did an, a tattoo for Emily. And he knocked it out of the park. Like, she, he only charged her 200 bucks. It was two hours worth of work. It's a good-sized phoenix on her shoulder. Mm-hmm. I mean... She picked it up like it was nothing. So, oh, I, I like my phoenix. You can, you can find. Yeah, hell yeah, man! Like, get, get, get that closer to the camera. Come on, <laughs> you looked at this at the camp out. Yeah, I, well, I want to look at it again. I was drunk. Meet everybody. What? That was only four hours. Yeah, drunk at the camp out. Wow. I don't know what I had, but there was this one drink that i had that my whole face just got so puffy afterwards and i still can't figure it out what what i, I drank oh the jim beam moonshine was it the jim beam? probably the, the jim stuff. beam um jim jim beam has a few toxins in it mm-hmm. so if you're if you're uh, yeah, if you're allergic to certain things that's what i like about jack daniels once they charcoal mellow it it takes a lot of those extra toxins out and the extra alcohols that don't belong in your body Jim Beam being a cheaper whiskey, they leave a lot of that stuff in. So if I drink Jim Beam, my throat swells up, my face gets red like somebody just beat the crap out of me. It's funny how you learn these things. Johnny Black. I respect the motherfucker that brings Johnny Black. That was awesome. (laughs) Actually, I should have just listened to you, Rainy, and not drank that. (laughs) The Um, the Red Stag. The Red Stag is pretty... It's a little sweet, but they put... So, so is anyone here ever had an old fashioned? Yeah. So the reason they put sugar and in, in flavorings in old fashioned is because it's uh it it was made originally with bad whiskey, so they would put sugar in it and put citruses in it to kind of cut the flavor down to cut the the byproduct taste down. So anytime I I taste a sweet whiskey that I don't think should be sweet, I'm, I immediately think there's something wrong with it, and they're just trying to cover a flavor up. Mm-hmm. Word to kind of like water. Strawberry Hill or Mad Dog. Oh yeah. Although I will drink Mad Dog. Tells you not to I'll drink, drink the something. shit out of Mad Dog. You mean Mogan David? 
<laughs> if a sailor tells you not to drink something, don't drink it. Nah, I've had some myself. nasty stuff. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, need, everybody needs that moment of, let, I need to know for myself. That's that sister <laughs> service rivalry. All right, yeah, the sailor said not that... to. I'm going to just because. Oh, yeah, Trucker Paul says George Dickel. Oof. Oh. <laughs> that stuff is rough. <laughs> What's your the favorite roughest... whiskey? I don't have one yet. Still figuring it out. <laughs> also, well, between Old Crow and Bushmills. I am not a fan of this coffee milk stout. That. I should Not leave room everybody. in my saddlebag and just bring out some of the uh, the drinks that they make. Every every month or so, I ride or drive up to Massachusetts and uh, New Hampshire. And well, I'll Massachusetts pick up a... isn't real, so no, you don't. <laughs> oh, uh, what was it, it is. I lost my finger there. <laughs> Finland isn't real. Is that the one? Finland? You mean Switzerland? No, one of them's not. I forget. Which one? <laughs> You're thinking of Denmark. Okay. <laughs> See, I will raise your Johnny Black, Mike. Double Johnny Black. 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 <laughs> yeah, that's about bucks for a bottle. I keep saying for my birthday, I'll eventually get a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue. Oh, it's it's um, pretty good. Wow, and that's, that's a lie exactly. because I can get four bottles of black for what I pay for a bottle of blue. Jersey's just New York light. The entire state <laughs> should just be wrapped into New York City. Uh, oh, no, New Jersey is New York dark. New York dark. Yeah. No, that's, no that's oh, I would love to have a good eggnog right now, Paul. With an extra shot. Oh, God. No, New York City's just a, a giant cancerous blob that's attached to New York. True story. I'm going to drink it. But, do it. Do it. Drink it. It's just not is, it, is it that bad? Have you it's, tried pouring it out and aerating it? It's beer <laughs> with a little bit of coffee in it. It sounds like a porter, but like not in a good way. If you want beer with coffee in it, get get the PBR coffee. Mm. It actually is really good. It yeah. actually is. It is oh. really good. Yes, and we we made that at the plant that I used to work at. It was actually very good. Rowdy, what are you drinking? You know where I live, Paul. It's LTD, baby. So, maybe an LTD is kind of a swan dive to the bottom of the shelf. Mm-hmm. No, military special is a swan dive to the bottom of the shelf. <laughs> Between this and ancient age, Calvert, I think is a Lord Calvert. Lord Calvert that. is definitely a great one to dive down to. Well, if you want, a, if you want a bottom shelf special, Gilby's anything, anything that comes in a half gallon jug or a gallon jug, that's your that's your cheap <laughs> shit. A red diamond. You guys like root beer? Oh, yeah. yeah. There's the bomb. I like it, not your father's right. root beer, too. Okay, you yeah. want something better than not your father's root beer? I mean, I'm always looking for new, better things. All right, so uh, there's this there's this root beer whiskey called Root Out, and it is the most dangerous whiskey I've ever had. I think I've had root beer whiskey, and I remember it being very strange. Very <laughs> you know? strange indeed. 
This this one it's does it right. Typically, peanut butter whiskey. Yeah. Well, no. Same so, thing with peanut butter whiskey. Butter yeah. Whiskey. That's dangerous. I, I don't like screwball. it. I don't. I personally personally don't like screwball. I know. I've never had that. He just left. <laughs> He's like, "Fuck you." Rowdy, Rowdy yeah. hops in and out. He might have fallen asleep in the thirty seconds that we were talking. So the most dangerous whiskey I've ever drank is Rebel Stoke. It's a pecan whiskey. Oh wow! And it tastes like pecan pie. Oh wow! And it it's uh, it, this goes against my own preaching, but it's a sweet whiskey that I actually like. And you go to do a shot, and the next thing you're doing a three or four fingers worth, and then you can't find your legs. Uh, <laughs> now, the most the most dangerous drink I've ever had was in Chile, and it was this stuff called chicha. It was Applejack. Um, basically, it was, it was bilge wine is what it was. And they'll take apple juice and yeast and raisins, and they'll just put it in, in this giant 50-gallon uh, cask and leave it until it's ready. And then they're like two smaller bottles. Huh? There. What? With apple juice, like usually isn't there like arsonist arsenic? I can't say that fucking word right now. There's arsonists. arsonists. Yeah, they're arsonists. arsonists. No, like yeah, burning the fucking house down. Not yeah, to do that much apple juice liquor. I think. No, no, this stuff is it. Really does taste like. Is does anybody you might you young guys might not be old enough to realize this? Back in the day, in, in, at the cafeteria, they had apple juice. And you'd get old apple juice, and it tasted kind of tangy. And there were many times in first and second grade that I'd go down, and people wouldn't want their apple juice, and I would drink three or four of these apple juices, and then go to and go to class drunk as a first grader because awesome. this shit was fermented, and uh, it was kind of funny because a lot of people actually did it, and they would think it was funny. Oh, you got that? You got the bad apple juice again? That's funny. Here, just go sit down. You're fine. Try not to pee on yourself. Good <laughs> so, time. Yeah, that Applejack would sneak up on you too, and it's another one that all of a sudden you can't see or you can't stand up. It just it tastes like you know tangy apple juice. Mm. And the house is quiet. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was Ooh, vodka for... and apple juice is probably the worst thing you can do to yourself because you can't taste the whiskey. You cannot taste the alcohol in it. Uh, yeah. Well, my aunt used to buy this. Orange cream, and you're supposed to freeze it, but it tastes like creamsicle. Yeah. But she would take more creamsicles and blend them up, and then she'd put it in, and it, that's, that's just dangerous. We all know the one. Dream, no, that, dreamsicle, I think it was called. Dream. No, the TJ Friday's dreamsicle? Yeah. And you're supposed to put it on ice, and we didn't. You're supposed to grind it up with ice, and we just put it on ice and drink it straight. Yep. Did that with mudslides, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, like the TGIF yeah. brand of uh, whatever dreams equal mudslides yeah. on them. Aaron's like, I'm learning so much. <laughs> no, but my, I think the, I don't know if it was whiskey or what it was. When I was over in, I I took a little trip to Europe when I graduated college, and they showed me what they called the spicy shot, and I'm gonna butcher the name, but it's called like Stolpa Knaba. And it is straight. Yeah, and it it, it's straight. Just it there's liquor in it, but it just like you're just drinking lava, and that's how it's like just just spiciness, and you're like coughing. It's almost like I like, and I've like experienced OC sprayed a little bit. Like it's like you just get that like experience, like 
why the fuck did I do this? But it's, you know, you got to show off to your friends and you, you take a shot of Stolpaknaba and whatever. Now you're cool. Mm, it's like bat- getting bad moonshine, but trying not to cough as you feel your insides melting. Yeah, like you're like dying. Well, but like with this, it's like it's super spicy, though, too. I mean, moonshine, like that's a whole other. That gives me like horseradish kind of vibe where like it goes straight through your like sinuses a little bit. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You yeah. get good moonshine, it gives you the same effect as if you just drank a big mouthful of vinegar. Yeah, and exactly. Your whole, mouth exactly. Just, your whole mouth dries up, uh, your whole face draws up, and um, then you can't see. You can literally drink yourself blind with moonshine if it's not processed right. Yeah, it's a methyl alcohol at the beginning of the match. They, the they first thing it'll do is kill your brain. You turn your it. brain off, not kill it quite, but it'll turn your brain off. And the first part it turns off is the part that sees. <laughs> but that's the yeah. good shit. No. No, that's like uh, hand sanitizer. You put it, maybe you clean counters with it. Oh my god. Oh, I just had to write another policy on how we have to store hand sanitizer now. I'm, we, I'm caught, we caught three people chugging hand sanitizer. Oh my god. Well, funny story, during um, COVID, we actually were putting out 50% alcohol as hand sanitizer. We were selling it by the gallon jug. So, because at first we thought, well, COVID's here, people are going to be locked up at home, we're not going to sell a lot of product, let's start pushing this alcohol out the door. So we made that for about a month, and then we realized that we couldn't keep enough beer and White Claw in the warehouse because we were selling everything, so we stopped making hand sanitizer. It was our go-to, just where we could keep making something and make money, but we didn't need to. Yeah. But yeah, basically, this vodka base that we were making was, we were selling it as hand sanitizer. Yeah. I will be taking a yeah. trip home either for Thanksgiving or Christmas, and my friend has already been working up quite a few flavors, so if you want one, hit me up in our Discord, and I will see if I can get it. Yeah. Because when yeah. I was in Afghanistan, he would send us, he would open up the bottles of Listerine and then dump them out and like, fill them up with whatever flavor we wanted and just put the food coloring in to make it look like Listerine. Seal it back up and send it to Afghanistan. Uh, See, some real shit. Liverpool didn't even do that. They would get their toolboxes and fill them full of Jack Daniels and then put the packing seals on them. <laughs> it was it was very common to go to the motor pool to do inspections and to open a toolbox that had just arrived from the States that was supposed to be full of parts and it was full of Jack Daniels. <laughs> See, we would get tough boxes and we would uh, put the bands on it, like the, the safety bands. Mm-hmm. We put a an item sheet on what it was and stick it to the top. It's like, all right, it's been banded. It's already been inspected. This is, it can't be anything else. And we're not allowed to break the seals. See, we could break the seals. As long as we put another seal on it and serialized them and, and did the chain of continuity, we could break the seals. Mm-hmm. And we got that a lot. Oh, you can't break that. It's got a seal on it. I'm hold up a handful of seals and go, that's cool. We can replace them. <laughs> and then they're like, it's like, anything you want to put through amnesty? And they're like, uh, can I talk to you over there? Yeah, come on. Mm-hmm. We're going to walk out for five minutes. We're going to walk back in and we can resume this inspection. 
and you go to a toolbox or open up a gorilla box and there's nothing in it. <laughs> Speaking anyway. of sketchy shit, yeah, my, my grandparents, for whatever godforsaken reason, back in like early 2000s, decided they wanted to um, work in Saudi Arabia. This was like just before 9-11, actually. And they had to like, well, they were working in a hospital because they were in the healthcare industry. And uh, the rules there, you know, as you know, are quite strict about um, anything to do with American culture, liquor included. So my grandpa is uh, definitely a drinker. He was a big beer guy. He still is, or he tries to be. He's got dementia now, actually, sidebar. But um, he had to find somebody that was like underground brewing beer and liquors and stuff like that in Saudi Arabia because even back then it was like you like the the punishment for the crime was serious but like you know you got to get your drink on Saudi Arabia and I think they were in Riyadh for like five years and then eventually my family back in the day I, mean, I was a I was a little kid at this point but like they're like you need to come home there's like there's gonna be a fucking war there like we just had 9-11 like get your ass back home and stop dealing with this bullshit That was my little blurb. Oh, You'd be surprised how many oasises they have in Kuwait and Iraq where you could go and have liquor. They'd have restaurants. Yeah. Um, you, you look at places like, you know, like the little, little Americas over there, like Qatar. You're in the middle of a Muslim-controlled country, and they'll build a little city that anything goes. So in Kuwait Airport was the same way. You'd see these women show up to the airport, go in, and they're in full hijabs and, and burqas, get inside, change in the bathrooms, come out in blue jeans and high heels. No kidding. Wow. Because inside the nice. airport, inside the airport, it's a, it's a uh, what do they call it, D- duty-free area, a, custom, yeah. a customs-controlled area. Yeah. So it's 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 a lot different. But yeah, Qatar, you ever get to go to Qatar, Goon? Yeah. Kuwait. It's literally, you, you might as well be stepping off into a major city in America somewhere, because there's a TGI Fridays, there's a there's steakhouse restaurants, there's bars, swimming pools, you know, girls in bikinis. Yep. And you go literally a half mile in the other direction on the other side of the gates, and that shit, there's no way you could do it. Yeah, they're like lopping off hands for stealing bread. <laughs> they're, they're stoning you for not yeah. covering your hair. Yeah. Uh, in, in, uh, in Kuwait, the Kuwait City Jail had 10 cells, and that jail was for the entire country. Because anything worth arresting you for, they, they would literally ignore everything except for things that they would either immediately punish you for or execute you for. And even in the jail, uh, we had a guy from a shipping company who was not a U.S. contractor. He actually worked for uh, DHL. And he was shipping drugs in and out of the country. Shipping him, he would. He he was the signer for DHL. He'd bring stuff into the country. Was supposed to be investigating it or inspecting it. When it came in, he'd put his own seal on it and then have it shipped to his address or his girlfriend's address. And when they caught him, they wanted him executed immediately. Well, state stepped in, had him shipped to the base, and they put it put him in our facility. Long story short, they wouldn't touch him in our facility, but they wanted him back. So state made a deal that. They wouldn't execute him, but they would give him a sentence. So he got a six-month sentence instead of being executed. Twist to that is, when you're in the jail, they may not feed you, they may not give you water, 
Um, it's up to Allah to decide whether they remember to give you anything at all. So he still only lasted four weeks, and he probably would have been better off just being executed. Wow. Starvation is a very slow, uncomfortable death. Yeah, it sucks. What's the longest you've ever gone without eating? Me? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> longest I've ever gone without eating was probably two days. Yeah. Um, if you can make it past two days, your body will will kind of, the pains will, will let off. But even after like 16 hours, if you've ever been really hungry and all of a sudden your stomach feels like it's turning inside out, um, everything cramps. The bad part about that is after two days, when you try to eat, anything you eat is horrifically uncomfortable. Yeah. Especially if you're also not drinking anything. Yeah. Well, the, key, the key, though, is like drinking enough water. That the, I thought that uh, warm water helped a lot. The longest I've ever gone without... All water is warm water. The <laughs> <laughs> longest hot. I've ever had to go without eating was like six days. Five going on six. How? Stupidity. Was it, was it a young girl thing because you wanted a young smelt no. figure? No, 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 no. Um, I was traveling and working so much and I literally forgot to eat for a while because I was just, you know, in that mindset of I got to get shit done. I got to do stuff. I got to move to the next thing. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And I ended up not eating for six days. And then I didn't realize that until I looked at my, one of my friends actually mentioned, hey, we didn't see you at, you know, at dinner last night, where the hell were you? We were going to meet up at a restaurant, and I was like, fuck. <laughs> I didn't eat. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at you. I just saw a Trucker Paul's comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Trucker Paul's comment. Yeah, like, yeah. And then I didn't yeah, I, I, I would I laugh at me. To eat. <laughs> I, I've, got a, I've got a day without eating sometimes, and because and it, it's one of the things, especially when I was in, in uh, school, I'm like, oh, 30 more minutes. Well, 30 more minutes. Well, an hour. Well, it's almost, you know, 2 o'clock. I'll just wait till 4 to eat, and then you don't. And by the end of the day, it's like, holy shit, how did I do this? How stupid can I be? So, yeah, ne never on purpose. Yeah, mine yeah. was more when I was deployed. It was like, all right, I'm going to we're gonna go on patrol. We'll come back. We'll get you out. All right, cool. All right, hey, man, sorry. You got to go back out. Something else is going on. All right, cool. Hey, let's go to the gym. Okay, fucking. And then, all right, bedtime. I'm tired. And then three-quarters of the way through day two, I'm like, uh, yeah. when the fuck did I? Oh, it's easy. Yeah, I, it's I easy always kept bars and oatmeal packets. You get the, the good thing about the the uh, the defects on the LSAs where they always had extra food. So you're walking out of defect after you eat, you grab two handfuls of oatmeal packs, you grab two handfuls of granola bars, and fill all your pockets because you never know where you're going to be. First convoy we went on that was supposed to it was supposed to have started in. Um, Balad, or not Balad, um, Deering, we were supposed to go into Navistar and then go up into the green zone, and we didn't stop for, for two days. We only had brought enough MREs for, for one day. So, what's Paul saying? It's not uh, Paul. Rowdy. 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 <laughs> Rowdy. You're just going to tap but, out, bro. Just, just go to bed, man. It's fine. It's, you're done, man. <laughs> we'll see you later, brother. Yeah. We should probably all call it because, yeah, we don't want to start running yeah. this too late. We want to save material for next time. All right. Yep, absolutely. It's been a, it's been a, a pleasure. All right, this. everybody. We appreciate you hanging out. We will see you next week at 8 o'clock Central. Have a good night, y'all. Later. Later, everybody. Later.